love to have like a, a fucking the freezing mountains of central british columbia to you listening around the world this my friends is spaced out radio i am your host dave scott sitting in the captain's chair of sor headquarters welcoming you to tonight's show including kingdom of nigh radio and revolution radio if you want to take a listen to our archives they are free at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do me the favor hit that subscribe button our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Pick up a new book at We Read the Night. Join the Space Travelers Club for five bucks a month. Do a little shopping at the SOR Vault. We got Black Friday specials for you. No brawls included. Read up on the Newswire by Captain Shirk and much more. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by donating to Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. Last year, the haunted five-part docuseries Hellier captivated paranormal audiences around the globe. And for a year, most of us have been waiting for the return to Kentucky in the search of goblins. Greg and Dana Newkirk, along with Connor Randall and Carl Pfeiffer, made it seem a little bit more than they could chew on in season one. It was interesting. They kept us on the edges of our seats. I know I was. I binged, and then I binged again. But this weekend, Hellier 2 finally debuts. I am pumped up for this. Totally pumped up. Joining us from Hellier 2 tonight is Tyler Strand, a paranormal investigator from Western Pennsylvania. Tyler is here to talk about what's coming up this weekend for you Hellier fans and what may be lurking in Pennsylvania. Then at the bottom of hour number three, I will bring you the SOR Newswire brought to you by Paranoia Magazine. Mr. Tyler Strand, I didn't know until Greg told me you've been a fan and a listener of this show for quite a while, so I'm pretty pumped to have you on as not only a fan, but as a paranormal investigator and a hellier guy as well. 
Yeah, I, I am honored to be here, Dave. Um, I've been listening to your show for at least the last three years, I want to say. Um, I was really hooked in um, by following John Tenney more than anyone. I know he's a regular guest on your program, so it's always refreshing listening to his strange ideas come forth. <laughs> now, now, I did go on Twitter earlier today and say that you had to wear a necktie in honor of John Tenney. Because tonight was supposed to be John Tenney's night, and earlier this morning he messaged me. He's like, "Dave, I'm having some family issues getting into into Thanksgiving. Do you mind? I'm sorry." Because John hates missing this show, and we love John around here. And I called up Greg and Dana. I'm like, "Hellier comes out this weekend. John's out. You guys want to come in?" And they're like, "Dude, we can't. Like, we're 24 hours, but Tyler's into it." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're gonna do this." <laughs> It's funny, too, because I, I received the news right when I was waking up. I'm kind of nocturnal myself. I'm like, oh, man, I have a lot in store for me today. <laughs> so this is oh, still yeah. my afternoon or my morning. I, uh, so I'm, I'm wide awake and ready for anything you have, have ready Not for Not a problem. Me. Well, let's learn a little bit about you, Tyler, because, you know, we always have first-time people appearing on this show. That's what we love about what we do around here. And we always like to learn your stories because we got a lot of listeners who may not know who you are. How did you get involved with the paranormal? Oh, man. So I have a, a really kind of strange, lengthy history in this that stems from when I was in my teenage years. I kind of started off into these topics on a stranger route. I, it wasn't so much ghosts that got me into this field as it was reading about the occult and different kind of magic-like systems, uh, namely things like alchemy. And the more that you look into that sort of thing, the more you tend to find that these things overlap and that there's a lot of things that, on one hand, people would consider spirit-like entities, but on the other aspect of someone else's perspective, they would consider to be uh, alien-like entities. You know, there, there's all this strange overlap. So when I was young, reading things like John Keel, uh, books by John Keel, things like the Mothman prophecies, and seeing how this phenomena runs a lot deeper than just, oh, this random person had a sighting, or this is a ghost, or this is a creature. I started off, I believe, on a good foot, and I'm thankful for that because I, I understand how a lot of people wouldn't. So I was lucky. I consider myself lucky that I started off reading stranger topics um, because I think it gave me a really broad view really quickly of how encompassing this phenomena is. So that's really how I got my start, um, just trying to find the strangest thing possible and pursuing those things on my own, checking them out for myself, going on solo expeditions, um, adventures, just trying to dig up anything that I could. Were you an experiencer, or did you have to force find the experience to see what other people were talking about? <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, that's a really interesting question. Because on one hand, I could say yes and no. So I've seen strange things when I was younger. Um but the odd thing about those incidences is that I never attributed those things to why I became interested in this topic or this field. They were just elements that 
I just integrated into my reality. They weren't anything that inspired me beyond what I was already interested in. I think I've always just had a pull for these things, and it's something that is deep. It's something that's always had its hooks deep in me, and it's something that I can't, I can't quite explain. Uh, it's an aspect of myself, and it's something that just fits within my worldview. I don't, whereas a normal person would feel strange talking about these subjects or feel strange thinking about living in a world where these things may be real, it never felt like that to me. It just felt like something natural. And that's how I continue to see these things is that it is something natural and it's an aspect of our environment and our place within this world. And um, I think I've always been living there and I think what little things have happened to me when I was younger were just another aspect of that. Your environment that you grew up around, was it a paranormal environment or was it much like mine where you just didn't discuss those weird things? <laughs> well, it was a very small northern Michigan town. I'm actually from Ironwood, Michigan, um, a town of maybe it's less than 5,000 people so there really weren't a whole lot of people that spoke about these things. So I kind of was, um, I don't know if ostracized would be the right word, but there certainly weren't people that were open about talking about these things. And I was never very open about these topics until I became older. Uh, not that I, not out of fear or of ridicule, but it was just something that people never spoke of. And that's why when I did start becoming vocal about these things, whether it be in my hometown or elsewhere, it was so fascinating to me how many people would come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, my God, these things have fascinated me my, my whole life. You know, I just didn't think anyone else thought about them or I, I didn't think anyone else was interested in this stuff. And there were so many people from these small towns like my hometown that come forth because I'm open about it. And I think that is vitally important with what we do, what you do having a radio show is getting people to talk about these things because most people, a lot of people have this interest and it's a shame to me that it's something that's stigmatized the way it is because going back to what I, I said earlier, I do believe it's a natural part of our environment and I think it's a very human experience. And I think, um, I think, I think it's an aspect of ourselves that in this day and age, we willfully deny. And I think, uh, I think it's caused a lot of issues that are deep running in just how we view the world and how we feel about the world. There seems to be a disenchantment of the planet that we walk foot on because of those things. Um, and I, I think by being open about these topics and actually sparking conversation with people, we can re-enchant this planet by having those conversations with people because no one's alone in this. A lot of people have stories and a lot of people have interests. And I think that interest comes from a, a natural state of mind because we know somewhere within our biology that these things exist. And it's not something that we should shy away from talking about. Tyler, don't you love it when you bring up what you do for a living, which is investigate the paranormal? And when people ask you that question, are you, are you serious? And you look at them very seriously and you say, yeah. Don't you love it with the stories that come out once people know that you're safe to talk to? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing. You know, the ones that stick around anyway, right? <laughs> Sometimes people exactly. just look at you like you have seven heads and then they'll be like, well, this person's clearly insane. <laughs> but those who get it, get it. And um, I think the ones who have those experiences are the ones who are open to thinking about them. They're at a stage in their development or their life where those are necessary things. Because I think there's an, as- an aspect to this phenomena where it reveals itself to those who need it. And I think there is a higher purpose to the place that these things hold within our, our viewpoints of the world and our interaction with it. And uh, I think that, that to me is what's exciting. It's exciting to be able to see the lights in someone's eyes ignite when you tell them something they never thought about and you can see their gears start to spin. They're like, Oh man, I've never thought about this before. Like I've, I've been interested in these topics for so long, but I've not thought about that or how this could be connected to that. And um, that's what I love. That's what I love the most. I think when I, when I talk to people is, is seeing them get a broader view of how interconnected and strange this stuff really is and why even in its strangeness, it's not so crazy. I always found in my area, because I, I work in, on my daytime job, I have a desk job, and you know, I'll always kind of throw out some little quip about, hey, if you're going out in the forest, watch out for Bigfoot or something like that. And people, <laughs> will, people will always make a comment, always. And that's how the conversation starts. The stories that I have heard from my area alone are phenomenal. And it's amazing because these are innocent people People, just everyday people who don't follow this stuff, don't talk about these topics, don't watch the television shows, nothing. And yet they have the most incredible detail of their own experiences. And it may be only the first time that they talk about it publicly. And I always find that when you relax them and you realize that you're not going to make fun of them or you're not going to joke about them how immediately immersed they become in that conversation and how detailed they become. And I wish I had a recorder with me. I, I got to sneak a recorder around, man, because those are some of the best. And I love when that happens, you know, because when you get that person and you get that person's trust where you can look at them in the eyes and your eyes tell the story of, I believe you, it's a powerful moment in order to try and gain traction of where to go look or where to search. Well, you know what, too, on that note, what I think is beautiful about that is think about how long that person has held that within themselves, keeping, holding on to that story, not having anyone to confide in and having no one to talk to. They carry that stress in themselves of not being able to relay their experience. And then they finally have somebody to talk to about it. And that happens to be you. Like, what an honor is that? So it's like, it's almost healing for that person to finally have someone they can confide in and then in turn help develop uh, some sort of grounding or some sort of groundwork or information base around what they experience and you can help them with that. I think that's a beautiful thing. I fully agree. Fully agree. Hey, we only got about nine minutes until we go to break here and Tyler Strand is our guest tonight. I want to know how you got to know Greg and Dana Newkirk. All right. Well, interesting story about that. So I actually, being from northern Michigan, there used to be, or I should say there is, uh, 
a very popular paranormal convention location way up north. Uh, it's Michigan Paracon. It gets held every year, usually around August. That's actually where I had first met John Tenney, which, as you know, is a regular guest on the program. Um, after meeting Tenney, I realized that I wasn't the only one who felt the way that I did about these topics, that there were other people that thought deeply about these topics. So I spent a year after meeting him kind of doing research as to who he knew, what topics he researched, because I wanted to know more about him. He's an interesting character. And during my research through Tenney, I ended up seeing Greg and Dana Newkirk's name pop up over and over again. And it wasn't until the following year at the same convention that I actually had the chance to meet them in person. And at that point in time, we were strangers. I met them at the convention. We interacted. We talked about haunted objects. And it became immediately clear that they took this very seriously, this topic. And that resonated with me as well, uh, which I think it's so hard to find people who are so invested in this field and so genuine in this field. And I knew right away the way we clicked with just the conversations that we had that I wanted to work with these people in the future. And it wasn't until the following year later when I went to school for special makeup and effects. So not only am I a paranormal investigator, I'm also a special makeup and effects artist. So I always tell people I not only hunt monsters, I also make them. And it wasn't until that (laughs) it's, it's an interesting life, (laughs) but it wasn't until that following year going to school that I actually found a way to incorporate my artwork into benefiting both the Newkirks as well as the paranormal field at large. Um, And I largely have done that by replicating haunted artifacts or being able to take pieces of paranormal locations and clone them through FX techniques to be able to give immovable pieces of paranormal locations to the public so that they can study these things and we can have open conversations about these things. But it extends beyond just replicating haunted objects and haunted artifacts and being able to have those discussions. I mean, I've been given the unique opportunity to create better visuals in this field, even if that be the creatures we discuss in Hellier. In fact, um, for your viewers that have watched season one of Hellier, the goblin that you see in those opening credits, as well as the poster art, I actually made that creature. That is actually a sculpture that you see that was photographed by Carl Pfeiffer and used in the artwork for this docuseries. So yes. given, given the opportunity to help um, produce a visual for people to have as an anchor point, I think is also vitally important um, to, use, to use an image as a vehicle to help people get entrapped in the story and um, pique their curiosity, I think, is, is hugely important when we talk about these topics. And that's what I have been trying to do more and more with my art and special makeup and effects. But that's, that's nice. what started our conversations with Greg and Dana. But um, I suppose we I could met, get more in-depth with those. <laughs> I met Greg and Dana in 2017 at what I will title the world's worst Paracon that I've ever been to. And... <laughs> And it was in Provincetown, Massachusetts, one of the most beautiful locations I've ever been to. And I hope to go back there again, not near the water, too many great white sharks. But 
and I'm a meal, man. I'm a meal. But <laughs> I could say this. I remember talking to Greg and Data about this uh, probably a year after, and and I'm like, hey, you remember we met there? And they're like, yeah, we remember. I said, dude, that was the worst experience. Put it this way. I'm, I never mentioned the organizer's name on the air. He invites me to come speak about paranormal media and run into him. And he tells me point blank, hey, have you read the article in the local magazine? No, I haven't. He goes, oh, you should. You're in there. I'm like, oh, great. So, you know, we go to the pizza joint at at like (laughs) one o'clock in the morning and grabbing some some pizza. Oh, there's the magazine. I'm going to read it out. And it gets, goes through all the names that are there and, you know, and there's Amy Bruni and Adam Berry and Greg and Dana and, and we have people from Canada coming. Thanks. (laughs) So I travel 3,500 miles to get people from Canada and I was the only speaker that they didn't introduce so i had 11 people sitting in front of me while i spoke and i'm thinking so so afterwards oh it it gets better it gets better i i i wasn't myself greg dana and a few others who were asked to speak and participate in this were not even invited to the vip guest dinner and, and I had listeners who came down from the east, from a, I forget what state, it's north of Massachusetts, and they wanted to sit at my table. I said, well, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So we run into the organizer after the VIP because we're hanging out downtown and because uh, everything's walking distance away. And uh, I said, so uh, what's happening for tomorrow? He goes, oh, you're done. You can do whatever you want. We don't need you. Oh, man. Cold what? shoulder. Oh, it was. It was. Oh, by the way, it was just so you know, my team, because I had a I had a couple people in my entourage with us. It was my team yeah. that set up the entire place because his volunteer team did not bother to show up to set up the tables or the seating arrangements or nothing the morning <laughs> of the conference. This was my thank you. No, we don't need you anymore. Thanks for coming. Then I find out. Oh. Then I find out on checking out of my hotel room that he only paid for two of my four nights. Damn. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Dave, um, VIP dinners tend to just be for people who need their egos stroked. <laughs> oh, I, that doesn't bother me. You probably weren't missing ha- much, Dave. I got to hang out with my friends. I, I really didn't care about that. I just thought it was funny. I thought it was absolutely funny. And uh, But that's how I met Greg and Dana was at this horrific, horrific conference. And uh, we laugh about it now, but man, were, were we? I know they were angry. We were angry. It was just one of those <laughs> situations. We got about 90 seconds before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour. And we're going to get into more about Hellier with Tyler Strand here tonight. Oh, this is going to be fun. Tyler, in about a minute here, what were you thinking when you saw the first five episodes of season one of Hellier? I knew it was going to have a huge impact, a huge impact. Um, For the first time, I felt a relief. I felt a relief that the general public had something that they could 
put their faith into and trust. Trust is something genuine. And I still hold by that. And I think that's so important. And this is just the beginning, just the beginning. Well, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. And then to be invited into season two, that had to be just a rush. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, I, I know we don't have a whole lot of time left, but, uh, I've been there. I've been there from the start, you know, just in, in the off skirts, uh, outskirts in the shadows, so to speak. But, um, it's something, uh, these themes are something I've been familiar with, with a long time. So I, I was honored. I was honored to have been, been, uh, allowed a place on the team, so to speak. <laughs> Well, you know what? Let's get into it when we come back from the break because yeah. Hell Year 2 is all the rage in the paranormal field. It comes out this weekend. You want to tune this in because if you're anything like me, you will be glued to your couch watching Hell Year over and over and over again. Tyler Strand is our guest tonight. Hell Year 2 is the topic. More Spaced Out Radio right after this. Hey, space travelers, this is John Resig, founder of the Chive and Chive Charities. If you know anything about our website, you know we like to do things a little differently. We're not some faceless organization collecting money for a nebulous cause. Our donor dollars go directly toward life-improving items. Then we give those items directly to an underdog who needs it most. To become a donor with Spaced Out Radio's official charity, Chive Charities, just go to chivecharities.org forward slash donate. From the heartlands of Canada to beards around the world, we know how to take care of you. Fill your follicles with the Mighty Moose Beard Oil. All our oils and bombs are handmade and 100% natural ingredients because we care about your beard. And hey, use the promo code SOR2019 and get your Mighty Moose Beard Oil today. You can check us out on our website, MightyMooseBeard.com. Hello, this is your guitar man, Ron Bumblefoot Thaw, and I have to tell you, I love the response I get for Little Brother is Watching from Spaced Out Radio fans. It's amazing how music can inspire and make people think deeper about what's going on in the supernatural world. You can head over to my website, bumblefoot.com, to check out my music, my guitar workshops, my touring, even check out some of the hot sauces that I'm working on. And make sure you keep on listening, because with Spaced Out Radio, you know Little Brother is Watching. Finish off your weekend and kick off your new week with me, Everett Themer, right here on Spaced Out Sundays. I'm going to bring you great guests, a little bit of snark, and plenty of information to think about. But don't worry, there's going to be plenty of woo as well. We are going to hit everything in the paranormal and supernatural, including the odd psychic Sundays. So tune us in on Sunday, 9.06 p.m. Pacific, 12.06 a.m. Eastern, right here at spacedoutradio.com. Heading to Vancouver and looking for a night on the town? The Moose Vancouver is the bar that never stops rocking until 2 a.m. every night. The Moose has great food with everything on the menu from $6.95 to $8.95. Fantastic, vibrant staff and rock and roll that will bring you back to when the music was real, the hair was long, and the guitars were rocking. 
Get your party on at the Moose Vancouver, the official party bar of Spaced Out Radio. Every night on Spaced Out Radio, we have places for you to hang out. Hi, this is Carl. Join our SOR Space Travelers group on Facebook for live chat. On Twitter, using hashtag Spaced Out Radio, you can also join us in our Spreaker chat room. Check us out on Instagram at Dave Scott SOR. All of our archives are free on YouTube at Spaced Out Radio. By the way, I'll be watching you at your window until you do. Bye! We're adding to the entertainment online for Spaced Out Radio. I'm Amber Beckard, and I want to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out Cryptid Tales, where I will take you on a journey into some of the strangest legends and lore from around the world, relaying the stories to you of the strange creatures and experiences that people have had throughout time. You can find Cryptid Tales at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. And while you're there, don't forget to check out our free archives and leave a comment. See you there. Are you having encounters with the paranormal, supernatural, or ufological that you cannot explain? Look no further than the SOR Sightlines Report, brought to you by the Experiencers Support Association. This is Ryan Stacy, head of the Research Association, TESSA. Soon on the Spaced Out Radio website, you'll be able to file your reports and have them researched for you. We are independent and ready to help Spaced Out Radio listeners today. Move over, brother! And let me own Saturday night. This is Rich Giordano, and I'm inviting you to tune on in to Spaced Out Saturday starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, 12 a.m. Eastern, where I'm going to bust open the lids on everything paranormal. Why? Because we want answers, and I'm the guy who's going to deliver those answers to you. Join the chat rooms, and we'll see you this Saturday. Just be there. No, really. Hey everybody, the SOR Space Travelers is open. For just 5 bucks a month, you can hang out with Dave and our crew privately in our members-only section. With your signing, you'll receive newsletters on what's going on with Spaced Out Radio. You'll have direct contact with the host during the show in our chat, live streaming videos, and a great forum for your posts and more. Become a space traveler now at spacedoutradio.com. You wanted new SOR gear, and now you can have it. The SOR Vault is fully stocked with t-shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and everything in between with great logos for you to choose from. So head on over to spacedoutradio.com, click on the SOR Vault, and go shopping. Pricing is quite affordable, and you can look good representing your favorite show. So go to our website and pick up your new SOR wear at the SOR Vault today. Looking for something new to push your limits? Look Beyond the Spectrum, a new docu-series featuring some of the best researchers in the world when it comes to everything from UFOs, government cover-ups, and Bigfoot in the forest. Truth seekers like Steve Bassett, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, Richard Dolan, as well as others all chip in to bring their knowledge to you. Beyond the Spectrum can be found on Amazon as well as Tubi TV. Tell us what you think on our Amazon page. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment. 
including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Welcome back to the second half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Always appreciative of all of you listening on in. want to remind all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, you can always check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends about it, too, if you don't mind. Also... Head to our website, spacedoutradio.com. You can read up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. It's updated daily. You can rock out to Bumblefoot. Get your horns up for that. We got books that we read the night. Join the Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month if you like what we do. You want to have some fun with us. And, of course, do a little shopping at the SOR Vault. Because you look good in one of our logoed shirts. Tyler Strand is here from Hellier 2. Yes, this weekend, Hellier 2 is released to you the public it is free online you got to find it tyler how you doing man i'm doing amazing dave i'm happy to be back after the break <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah you know uh, I, I was reading some of the comments about that paracon uh from the people in the chat rooms and on twitter they're like oh my god really that that seriously happened oh yeah i, I wasn't laughing then i can laugh about that now I could totally laugh about that, but but back then, no, no, I wasn't laughing, was not laughing at all, you know, but anyways, let's get into some more serious stuff here, Tyler. How did you get invited yeah. in, into the Hellier crowd? Because this is something that took off last year that we were all kind of amazed by with Greg and Dana Newkirk, who are great friends of this show, along with Carl Pfeiffer, who has an amazing beard fantastic beard on him and connor connor randall i think he's only shaved about twice in his life but nonetheless great people great entertainment and man did they hold the spookiness right from beginning to end how did you get involved so my involvement is really interesting so when i first met greg and dana just like john tenney i had started doing research on them because I'm like, okay, here's a power couple that seem to be doing great work in this field. I'd like to know what they're involved in. I'd like to get a better understanding of them. Uh, we, we weren't friends at this point. Um, but we, you know, we were aware of each other, like social media, little things here and there, maybe a Facebook comment here and there. Um, we had a good energy about ourselves. And in my research on Greg and Dana, that's when I came across the articles that had been in the public eye. Uh, which detailed the Kentucky Goblin case that they were looking into, but it was still it was still kind of a a cold case or, or a dead end at that point. This was before Hellier was even a thought. And the second I read that article about these strange happenings in Kentucky, I was immediately hooked because prior to that, years prior. I was familiar with a lot of these subterranean themes. In fact, um, some of the things that really threw me down the rabbit hole when I was researching topics like alchemy or this, these different forms of mysticism or these 
these stories of these mystic lands that are inside the earth, places like Agartha or Agarti, um, whichever term you you wish to use, cities like Shambhala, when you when you look into Tibetan ideologies. And uh, I had even read reports where people in some of these rural areas in the south were experiencing these cavern-dwelling creatures. Uh, there, there's... There were multiple stories that existed at that point. And there was something about those stories when I was young um, in my teenage years that for some reason really resonated with me and really stuck with me. And it's just one of those little things when you listen to the voice in the back of your head, which I've come to trust, I knew there was something to them and I never let them go. So when I came across that, that article, I was immediately concerned as to why they never followed up. In fact, um, the following year after that first Paracon, I met them again. And that's when I brought it up to Greg. I'm like, why did you, why did you stop looking into these things? Like, it seems like there's something big going on in Kentucky. Like, I feel like you should be looking into these things still, you know, but that was still in the beginning stages of our friendship. In fact, when you watch season one, you'll even, you'll even notice that when, uh, Greg introduces me in the third episode. He says, well, Strand had been trying to convince us to get back in that hole, so to speak, for some time. And that's because I had, I had come across that and it resonated so deeply with me. So it wasn't long after that second meetup at Paracon when Carl eventually took the initiative to get to Greg and say, hey, let's film this thing. Now, at that time, I had just started going to school. I, I think it was the month after that Paracon, I had started going to school. And um, I had been doing research into that case probably for a year up to that point, like trying to figure out like where Greg may have been, which is kind of funny because he's so he's so protective of the information, you know, as, as one should be when you're dealing with a an ongoing case. And <laughs> one of the reasons the Newkirks are so protective of revealing that information is because of people like me. I, I'm one of those people who knowing about the case, I felt I wanted to look into it further. So I had been looking into Kentucky and trying to read everything I could about these, these subterranean locations. So when Hellier was finally set to be filmed, you know, Greg had just started becoming aware of who I was. We facilitated a, a friendship uh, to a degree at that point, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything super deep yet. And Hellier was never meant to be anything really big. Uh, something that uh, your viewers should probably know, which we, we try to touch base on as much, we ca as much as we can, is that Hellier was never meant to be a five-part docuseries, which is fairly large, and, and now a ten-part in uh, season two they initially believed that this first filming, like they were just going to go out to Kentucky and follow up on this man's strange story that revolved around these goblins that were coming out of an abandoned mine shaft at the edge of his property. They thought maybe it'd be like an hour, hour and a half little doc. And, and, you know, Greg was aware of me. He's like, ah, don't worry about it. It's going to be a little thing. I'm sure we'll keep looking into it. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't too concerned, but then it just kind of, spiraled in the high strangeness when they finally touched base in Hellier. And while they were in Hellier, it landed on some interesting timing because I was actually exploring Point Pleasant around that time, uh, looking into some Mothman-related themes uh, during the Mothman Festival. And while I was there, I actually ended up running into this man on the street during the, the festival itself who... 
I overheard talking and he was telling these people that he had been compiling reports since the seventies and the eighties that all revolved around mines, caves and rock quarries that, that included UFO reports, creature reports, things like Bigfoot. And I ended up learning that this man was actually originally from my area of Pennsylvania where I'm living now. So I got to talking with this person and uh, I was fascinated by this packet of reports that he had compiled. Um, and I knew immediately that I wanted to get my hands on them because I was curious about what information they had, if, if any. So I kept in touch with this gentleman after, after the festival. And when I went to call him, weeks later, it, it sparked this synchronicity that was captured on film in the first season where I had called this gentleman I, I was actually parked outside of a local gym. I was looking through my phone, trying to find his name. I give him a ring and this man picks up immediately. There was no pause, immediate, immediate answer. And he goes, wow. He's like, that was really strange that you were to call me right now. I'm like, why is that? And he goes, had you not called me when you did, I probably would have called you in 10 seconds. I was actually scrolling through my phone to find your name in my contact list. I'm like, Oh, that is really strange. And he's like, yeah, I was just going to call you to let you know, I'm sending that packet of reports to you. I'm like, Oh, perfect. That's literally what I was calling for. <laughs> so I was, I was really, I was really blown away by how strange that was to begin with. So I got excited. Um, I had Greg's number at this point and I wanted him to know that I secured this packet of these strange cave reports that might help benefit the, the case and the research, you know, in, in Hellier. So I gave them a call and that phone call is what is captured in episode three of the first season, which in and of itself caused a weird number synchronicity with something that Connor experienced uh, the day prior. Um, if, if anyone is familiar with that first season. So it was just one of those signs where when you talk about a group of people who are tuned in, tuned into the phenomena and people who don't take signs lightly, it was just something that seemed apparent, you know, on top of my research I've already done, um, as well as the synchronicity, it just in their mind seemed right to confide in me and incorporate me into the case. And since that time to help benefit this case, something that, I don't think a whole lot of people know is that I have spent the last two years of my life literally taking a job inside of a cave to gain caving experience for the sole benefit of this pursuit that we're all involved in. You know, like that's the extent of how serious we take this, you know, in, in a world full of, full of false paranormal television. Like I just want people to understand, like this is an undertaking and there's no shortage of, of the magnitude of that word. Like this is our lives and we put all of our effort into trying to figure this out. And for me personally, that ended up bleeding into doing research on the caverns and gaining experience by entering abandoned mines, by entering caves. I mean, that's what I've been immersed in in the last two years of my life, you know, is getting familiar with these environments on a, on a physical level you know, adventuring to these far off locations and seeing what I can see, you know, and I continue to do that because it's something that fascinates me on a, on a multitude of levels uh, when we talk about this phenomena. So that's ultimately how I became 
integrated into the case and what I'm bringing to the table, so to speak, coming up uh, in this in this new season. One of the things that you mentioned when you started the, answering that question was synchronicities. Season one yeah. of Hellier, it was it was so synchronistic with so many things that happened, like Connor and Carl kind of getting involved with Greg and Dana, the emails that had been coming in a couple of years previous, and then syncing up to locations, and almost like Greg and Dana were being followed through the entire thing. And the paranormal activity that just seemed to be following, you know, tip-offs from people in town, and then they finally all arrive in town, and everybody goes silent. It was just strangeness after strangeness. You know, there's a lot of people out there who don't believe in synchronicities or don't believe that a series like Hellier is very, very real. When you got on cast to, to be a part of this, how real was it? How much editing was there? How much was like, okay, well, let's let's set this up and or say this line that nobody's paying attention to us or getting angry with us because we're treading on on sacred territory or something along those lines. Everything. So if you're asking me how real this documentary is, you know, if, if it's like a, a paranormal show where you have a producer whispering in your ear, hey, we need you to react to this or, hey, we need you to give this line. Um, I hope your viewers know, and something I would love to stress is that everything in Hellier is 100% real. And that's one of the things that have caused some outrage in, in the skeptical viewers is that you have something so bizarre and something so hard to wrap your mind around and its strangeness. And yet you feel how sincere everybody is. And that's something that you can't fake. And it's been that way since day one. Um, and that's why Hellier took the frustrating um, aspects of the case and gave it to the public. Like, for those familiar with season one, you'll know that we've hit dead end after dead end. Now, the reason why we show those dead ends is because, as you know, Dave, as a paranormal investigator, that's typically how investigations go. They're not always cut and dry. They're not a three-act system where, oh, we roll up to a location. Act two, we have a bunch of phenomena occur. Then act three, everything cleans up nicely. Now we can go home. We solve the case. Those who have actually been doing this research, those who have been boots on the ground, know that stuff doesn't happen. And we wanted to show people the reality of it. And I think Hellier perfectly delivers that. And you can feel that. You can feel it in our voice. You can feel it in the, the frustrations that we share. We share it with you. Because at the end of the day, this isn't... This documentary isn't just about us. It's not about our group. It's about everyone. It's about the viewers. It's about the phenomena. And the more that we all collectively know, the more we can progress this field. And that's why we present Hellier in the way that we present it, because I feel like there aren't, there aren't any programs that deliver those messages of sticking to the path um, to continue the research, even through frustration. And, and that's the beauty, though giving spoilers, the beauty of season two is that a lot of those dead ends, a lot of those frustrations or things that don't seem to make sense or line up, they line up in the biggest ways. 
in season two. And I think, I think those connections will become undeniable when people see season two. And that's, that's actually what's exciting me for the public to gain access to what we know, because we want the public there with us. Uh, you know, it's bigger than us. It's, it's a human thing, but it's bigger than, than that. It's, it's an everything. <laughs> so that's, that's what I want people to feel from this. But yeah, to answer your questions, a long story short, um, 100% real. Uh, if it wasn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to have an interview like this and speak with the conviction that I do. And that's, that's the interesting thing I've, I've often thought on since being a part of this process. I think about other television shows or people involved in them. And I, I often wonder what it is they feel when they sit down to do an, an appearance for an interview, how they have to tell you about this experience that a producer told them to react to off camera because it was never real to begin with. I am a person who would never do that. I wouldn't be able to be on this show and have the conviction of speaking what literally pertains to my livelihood and my life. If I didn't stand a hundred percent behind it. I think that's a fantastic answer. We've got about five minutes here before we go to break at the top of the hour. Tyler Strand is our guest tonight. We're talking hell year two. Okay. When did the filming for this start? How did it get going? So the filming was interesting. So season two actually takes place on a couple different time intervals. Um, and, and it's funny because you'll notice that our physical appearances actually shift and change through the season, which I think adds a interesting dynamic to the nature of the research that we've been doing. And, you know, like, again, <laughs> to go back to what we were just talking about, like, this isn't some fake thing. Like this is research that literally developed over the course of months. So um, filming for season two began literally directly after season one. So for those familiar with season one, you'll see that it ended with a cliffhanger. And I think some people it didn't, I don't think a lot of people fully grasped what that last scene meant. That wasn't something that was added. So, so for clarity's sake, for your listeners that haven't seen it, the, the, the end of season one ends with an email dropping into Greg's account and then it cuts. That email is literally what spiraled into most of what we were doing with the end of season two. And, uh, interestingly enough, the ending of season one actually changed because Carl had already been in the editing process at that point. Like there was already an ending to season one. And then that thing happened. Carl actually went back and changed that ending to accommodate what was still ongoing. So filming quite literally has continued since the ending of season one and has continued in intervals since then different intervals. So the, the bulk of us following up on these leads that seemed like dead ends at the time in season one actually picks up um, last December around Christmas. So yeah, I, I hope that answers your question. It's, it's been ongoing um, and it continues to be ongoing. The cliffhangers that have surrounded Hellier and now going into Hellier two, there are so many different directions. This thing has gone from the people the second time around, ignoring Greg and Dana and the team to trying to find the goblins, trying to find 
anything to to figuring out whether this is paranormal or whether this is supernatural or a combination of both to ufo sightings to bigfoot sightings to emails to indrid cold there just seems to be dead ends everywhere and the one thing i appreciated about the season one of hellier was that they traveled those dead ends as far as they could go Yet in season two, I'm tipped off to hear that apparently a lot of these dead ends have doors that actually open. <laughs> Interesting way of phrasing that, Dave. Um, as uh, as someone once said, for every every door closed, the window must be open. But um, yeah, to answer that question, there are a lot of these strange dead ends that have other avenues of details that we've not explored. And um, even on the topic of injured cold, without giving any spoilers, we kind of delve into that story in a more intimate manner, um, in a more intimate setting, so to speak. And you can read into that any which way you, you wish. And uh, there's always developments in, um, in the case and these little, leads that have been spreading off of season one. Um, we follow those to give them their due justice. And I think, I think the viewers of season two will be left with a feeling of satisfaction because of that. But it also speaks to our nature as investigators that we do take this serious and we don't leave any stone unturned and, um, and all that implies. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think there's a, there's a lot of very, very telling information and it continues to develop into something you would have never guessed it to be. And I think that's the beauty of this phenomena and the beauty of this documentary is showing people it's nature to shift and change your perception of what it is and your place within it. Well, the one name that keeps cropping up is Indrid Cold. And when we come back from the break, I want to ask you about Indrid Cold, because I'm going to be honest with you. When, when we had, I believe it was uh, Connor on the show last year, and he brought up Indrid Cold. No, pardon me, it was Carl. And he brought up Indrid Cold. All of a sudden, weird crap started happening around the studio. <laughs> Like yeah. instantaneously. That's how, how strange it was. And, and, you know, if you've been a longtime listener of this show, you know I don't make crap up. I don't need the, the, to beg for the ratings by, by fake things happening. And I was honestly a little weirded out when this happened. So I want to get into Indrid Cold with you because I think that's going to be very interesting when we come back on Spaced Out Radio. Tyler Strand is our guest tonight. He is part of Hell Year 2. And guess what, paranormal fans? If you haven't seen Hell Year One, you can catch it on YouTube for free. I highly suggest you do. But Hell Year Two, a ten part series, comes out this weekend. I am pumped for this. I cannot wait to binge on Sunday. I got ten hours plus for just me, the couch, and Hell Year Two. On Sunday. That's my weekend plan. More Spaced Out Radio with Hour 2 coming up with Tyler Strand.
For the price of one cup of coffee a month, you can become an SOR Space Traveler. The Space Travelers Club is a place where you can interact with other listeners, either live during the show or on our great forum. We want your stories, pictures, comments, and ideas. You'll get live video streams, exclusive content, and be a part of our newsletter. Stay in touch with everything SOR. The Space Travelers Club is just 5 bucks a month at spacedoutradio.com. Hey, this is Canadian Paranormal Investigator Mike Moore. The third Wednesday of every month, I'll be teaming up with Dave Scott to bring you Ghosts of the Great White North. Each month, we will bring on guests from across Canada to discuss their ghostly encounters. Canada is a paranormal hotbed with stories you've never heard, so we're going to bring them to you. So get comfy on your Chesterfield, grab a donut, and join us, eh? Hi there, this is Geraldine Orozco from San Francisco's Bay Area Meditation. I invite you to join me the first Tuesday of every month with Dave Scott for Spaced Out Radio's The Spiritual You. In this fast-paced world we live in, it's time for you to take some time for you. We'll cover every possible subject from powerful meditation to healing techniques to your own intuition and spirituality. So come join us for The Spiritual You. Hi, this is Amber Beckrud, and I want to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we store all of the SOR show archives for free. And as an added bonus, every two weeks, I'm posting brand new content on Cryptid Tales, where I will get into some of the spookier legends and folklore from around the world and tell the stories that go with them. Find us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio and check out Cryptid Tales today. Drop a comment and let me know what you want to hear. See you there. Come hang out with Spaced Out Radio, where we own the night. This is Carl. You can follow Dave on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, and during the show, use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio to chat with us live. On Instagram, at Dave Scott SOR. On Facebook, give our page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. SOR archives are free on YouTube, at Spaced Out Radio. Come join us, or I will come join you. See you at your window. The SOR Vault is open for business, and do we have some cool swag for you to pick up? All you have to do is head over to our website and click on the SOR Vault. You have a variety of cool logos to choose from, and put them on anything you want. T-shirts, hoodies, hats, coffee mugs, you name it, we can get it to you. So do your shopping by supporting the story you love. Get your Spaced Out Radio swag at the SOR Vault today. Get your horns up with me on Spaced Out Radio. This is Ron Bumblefoot Thaw. Come tune in to SOR where you can hear me rock out with Little Brother is Watching, the official theme song of Spaced Out Radio. And then come on over to Bumblefoot.com where you can find out about my tour schedule, my music, and everything else. Bumblefoot.com keeps you up to date on what I'm doing and the best way to stay in touch with my music and music camps. Sign up for my newsletter at Bumblefoot.com and remember, Little Brother is Watching. Move over, brother, and let me own Saturday night. This is Rich Giordano, and I'm inviting you to tune on in to Spaced Out Saturday starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, 12 a.m. Eastern, where I'm going to bust open the lids on everything paranormal. Why? Because we want answers, and I'm the guy who's going to deliver those answers to you. Join the chat rooms, and we'll see you this Saturday. Just be there. No, really. 
Hey, Spaced Out Radio fans, it's John Rezig, founder of the Chive and Chive Charities. Our goal is to make the life of veterans, first responders, and those with rare medical conditions 10% happier. We do this by donating one grant item, ranging from dance to therapy programs to prosthetic limbs, to those who need it most. To contribute to Spaced Out Radio's official charity, head over to chivecharities.org and become a donor today. A little bit of science, a little bit of skepticism. Add a dash of snark and you have the makings of Spaced Out Sundays with me, Everett Thiemann. Together we will look into the reality of the paranormal with an open eye and rational thought. Oh, did I mention there'll be plenty of woo as well? Your time spent with Spaced Out Sundays will make the night even better. The chat rooms are open, 9.06 p.m. Pacific, 12.06 a.m. Eastern, right here at spacedoutradio.com. We all know on Spaced Out Radio we love a good beard and mustache, so why not take care of your facial hair with Mighty Moose Beard Oil? Made in Canada, we're taking care of beards and stashes around the world. We use 100% natural ingredients with our oils and balms to make your whiskers feel silky smooth. Use promo code SOR2019 at MightyMooseBeard.com today. of the wild is in vancouver the moose vancouver is one of the hottest bars and restaurants in the city open until 2 a.m nightly the moose will rock you like a hurricane all night long great food with everything on the menu at 6.95 near the corner of nelson and granville get your horns up and come rock with us the moose vancouver the official rocking bar of spaced out radio Are you having encounters with the paranormal, supernatural, or ufological that you cannot explain? Look no further than the SOR Sightlines Report, brought to you by the Experiencer Support Association. This is Ryan Stacy, head of the research association, TESSA. Soon on the Spaced Out Radio website, you'll be able to file your reports and have them researched for you. We are independent and ready to help Spaced Out Radio listeners today. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com. At SpacedOutRadio.com, we have a little bit of everything for you to stay up late. So while you're there, check out our SRR Newswire, where our team brings you stories of the weird and strange to the WTF from around the globe. News on Bigfoot, UFOs, paranormal, Darwinian-type crime tales. It's the stories that the mainstream media usually won't touch. Well, we got them all on the SOR Newswire, only at SpacedOutRadio.com. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. 
Welcome back. We passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Actually, we haven't. We passed one hour through Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. Glad to have all of you with us. Want to give a shout out to everybody listening in on WQEE 99.1 FM in Noonan, Georgia. KZFX 93.7 FM in Ridgecrest, California. KDNF AM 1560 in Dangerfield, Texas. UPRN 107.7 FM in New Orleans. And KDUN AM 1030 in Reedsport, Oregon. On the digital side, we are listening in and tuned in on Kingdom of Nye Radio and Revolution Radio. Great to have you with us. Remember, all of our archives are free at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Just do me the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Inductivism inductivism is your password use it wisely space travelers as a clam sets a password each and every night right here on spaced out radio our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you rock out to bumblefoot read up on captain shirk's sor newswire it's updated daily we got great books at we read the night you can buy some new swag at the sor vault and don't forget to join the space travelers club for just five bucks a month we're talking Hell Year 2 tonight. Our guest is Tyler Strand. He has joined the team of Greg and Dana Newkirk, Carl Pfeiffer, Connor Randall for Season 2 here on Hell Year, which will be released this weekend. I am pumped up about it. I hope you are too. Tyler, welcome back. Happy to be back again, Dave. I'm super excited for everyone to see what we have in store. Um, I, yeah, me too, Beyond man. words. <laughs> I got to say, Beyond I screwed work. up. Come, I, I screwed up coming out of the break because Tyler and I were having a little bit of laughter in regards to to wild <laughs> animals. Because where he grew up in in northern Michigan, he had a lot of wild animals, much like we do around SOR headquarters here. And he was telling me, uh, "You got to tell this story because <laughs> I was laughing, man. I was laughing. You got to tell this story about your girlfriend." <laughs> so, so my current girlfriend, who uh, I've met. Met not too long ago. Um, she lives in L.A. currently. Uh, she was just telling me how one of the first times she moved to L.A., uh, living near the Hollywood sign, she had seen a, a deer. And how seeing a deer, because she was originally from New York City, so the two biggest cities in the U.S., uh, she was relaying to me how the first time she seen a deer, it was this big shock and how it was unexpected. You know, like when you talk to people who live in big cities, they always find wildlife to be this fascinating thing, especially when you talk about deer, because they're not so common. And it was funny, because we were talking about how <laughs> we'll just look out our backyard window, and we'll see like a bear running through, you know, like we'll have deer by the, you know, by the hordes running through. So it's just really funny hearing somebody else's take on uh, seeing just a single deer. Meanwhile, we have all this crazy wildlife running around our backyard, like cougars and black bears and coyotes. Um, it's just a different perspective. So it, was, it was funny. It was funny. You know, a couple of years ago when my daughter was in grade seven, she used to walk through the gate of our backyard, walk along the Greenbelt Trail and into the schoolyard, which is maybe 100 yards away. Anyways, so one day I'm getting ready for work and she walks back in and she's like she's my stepdaughter so she calls me dave and she goes dave you need to drive me to school and i'm like why can't you walk school is right there and so she comes up she grabs my hand <laughs> and she walks me to the window and she goes look outside 
So right along the trail leading to the school, there were two big buck deers, probably minimum four-pointers. Okay, they were locked <laughs> antler to antler, scrapping it out for a bunch of does in the area. And she's like, do you want me to get killed? I'm like, yeah, I'll drive you to school this morning. Not a problem. <laughs> it was it was just insane. She said the, the, the big buck deer, one of the buck deers was in the neighbor's yard. She goes into the backyard. She watches the buck jump into our yard, then jump into the green belt over our fence, and then lock horns with this other one. And it's like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Yeah. But your girlfriend saw a deer, so very, if she's listening... Very proud of you. You saw a deer. Oh no, one deer. Dave, you're gonna put me in the you're gonna put me in the doghouse with all this. No, talk. no, I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame. I'll, I'll take the blame. Okay, oh, don't blame Tyler. Blame the sarcastic Canadian on the end of the microphone. Oh, my That's what you need to do. Hey, look, no, I'm I really get in. sweating. You know that it wasn't even from the questions you're asking me, Dave. Now I'm, I'm sweating bullets over here. Oh, Getting real uh, nervous the, now. No, put put the blame on me. Put the blame on me. Hey, before we uh, get into uh, Indrid Cold, I got a question on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio from Maureen. And she is asking, Ooh, yeah, Tyler, yeah. since Hellier has come out, have more paranormal professionals been open to the idea that all realms of the paranormal may be connected? Great question, Maureen. You know what's interesting about that is I, I have noticed that on the rise. And I'm not going to, you know, for the sake of, of being healthy about it, I want to put words in anyone's mouth. Um, I can't, I can't say if Hellier alone is the factor of that, of that, but I have noticed that it is something on the rise and it seems like it's coming from a place because people are talking about it more. And I, I would like to think that Hellier is one of the, the factors that's escalating that viewpoint. Um, I can, I can personally speak without giving names. There are researchers who have spent enough time around people like myself or the new Kirks or Carl and Connor. And I have noticed a shift in their perspective where now they are starting to speak as though um, they viewed this phenomenon as interconnected. So it's, it's good. It's a good development. Uh, it's something that I, I would like to see more of. I think uh, if we're going to progress this stuff, I would like to see people at the very least, uh, questioning whether or not it's connected, whether you want to believe that or not. Um, but yeah, I have noticed the shift in, in certain professionals that seem to be speaking more about the interconnected nature of, of things. And, um, I think it's a good direction. Yes. I got to follow that up because so many paranormal investigators have refused to investigate the cryptid world or the UFO world. And they have been so adamant that there is no, you know, hidden thread tying all of these phenomena together. Why do you think that the paranormal field has been so unattracted to the other phenomena when they, in my opinion, all do seem to tie together? I mean, you look at any major investigator, and when I when I say major investigators, I'm, I'm talking people like John Tenney, David Weatherly, of that caliber and that ilk. Even Greg and Dana, we'll put them in that category too. All right. And everybody does believe that there is some sort of hidden interaction between. Yet for most people in the paranormal, especially, they want nothing to do with the others. They claim that there is no ties and it's a waste of time to be investigating that. How can we even make that decision? 
Or how can they make that decision without even investigating it? I think one of the worst things that has happened to this field is that people fall victim to the stigma of terminology. And I think there aren't a lot of people that are brave enough to put their neck out on the line to sound a little stranger than a scientist. I think there's a lot of people who like to hide behind smart sounding terminology to make something fit, but they don't, you know, like it's easy. Like it would be easy for me. It would be easy for me to make an argument for something like a Bigfoot existing and going, Oh, here's how we can know there's this many numbers of them. If you had this group of animals living in this area of the forest, you could have this many number of them. Like that all sounds great. And by saying those kinds of things, it makes those people feel smart. They don't want it to be something weirder because it takes that power away from them. However, those are also the same people that will never find it. And they won't find it because what they're looking for is not an animal. It's something weirder. And the more you look into it, the more that becomes apparent. So not only do you have that occurring, but I think the big issue with people who get interested in these topics is that the thing that initially gets them interested is the fact that they're not thinking about it in weirder terms. So when you talk about UFOs, people who are UFO centric researchers, you know, I wouldn't be surprised where if you were to go back in their history as a small child, you know, maybe they had an affinity for science fiction. They love the stigma of the feeling of outer space. So think about this in terms, like what those terms invoke as a feeling within you. Outer space, technology, spaceships, aliens. All of those words have a certain power behind them, and they make you feel a certain way when you hear them. So if you have someone who those, that type of terminology speaks to them, Imagine how they're going to feel if they're like, well, no, think about it as ancient or spirit, occult. That may have been a topic they were never even interested in to begin with. And it, it kind of diminishes what they found exciting. And I think people reject against it because now you're taking something that they loved for some other superficial reason because it made them feel like they're in a science fiction novel. But now you're trying to make them feel something that would invoke feelings of witchcraft inside of them. And that was never their wheelhouse. That was never what they wanted to feel. But it doesn't change the fact that these subjects contain many faces. And some of those things that initially don't appear as such on the surface are the other thing. So like you, you know, and you even see that in the Bigfoot field where I think a lot of the researchers that are into Bigfoot and cryptids, they're coming at it from a, a, zoo, a zoology perspective where they're like, I like animals. I love animals and I love the idea of an undiscovered animal because I like animals and that's why I'm into this. But now when you're telling them, well, no, what if it's something weirder if it's connected to UFOs or what if it's like a spirit that turns them off. And it's like, well, that's not what I'm interested in yet. Those people, if you talk to any of them, any diligent Bigfoot researcher that's been boots on the ground for years, so many of those people have UFO sightings or UFO occurrences that they've witnessed while they're looking for that creature. Why is that? That, that should be beyond chance, you know, like, and I understand it. So that's the frustrating thing. So what I'm getting at here is that I understand why there are people who 
won't delve into those topics because the thing that initially got them into their research was a certain feeling of another topic that spoke to them more clearly. So it's hard to break down those barriers. It's hard to break down those walls. So you see that with any kind of belief system, uh, even if you were to <laughs> talk about uh, religious beliefs. It's hard to reconfigure the way somebody thinks. And um, I think what we have to combat against is the stigma of how those words make us feel, for better or for worse. Um, I think the more that we make an argument for how it's connected, the more it should be undeniable, but some people just won't change. Um, like I said, it, it would be easy. I could feel it would be so much easier for me to make a smart argument and, and use a lot of smart sounding terms for how this could fit scientifically and how that could fit scientifically. But logically with what I've seen so far, I know that it is something stranger. Um, but I think that's the hang up that a lot of people have. Um, so I think it, it takes a rare person to be able to disconnect themselves from it to a degree where you can have a bird's eye view. And I think more than anything, that's what we're trying to do with Hellier is we're trying to give people a bird's eye view of how this stuff can fit together. So it's kind of breaking down those barriers, breaking down those walls. Like I think we need to kill our beliefs. That's something that <laughs> it's funny. I've said it for years and something Keel always said for years in his writings is kill your beliefs. Um, get rid of what you think, you know, and start looking at something more subjectively. Um, I think the more people do that, the more they look at the broader picture and they see the patterns that this different type of phenomena exhibits, you would see that it's, it seems to be the same thing. Um, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Speaking of which, Indrid Cold has been a real bone of contention throughout the Hellier series, and I'm sure it continues with Indrid Cold in Hellier 2. For people who may not know who or what Indrid Cold is, could you give us a review? So Indrid Cold is a really strange story um, from West Virginia that popped up around the time of the Mothman um, incidents that occurred in Point Pleasant. Uh, namely, on November 2nd, 1966, it was actually specifically around 7.30 p.m. when there was a man by the name of Woodrow Derenberger. He was a, a salesman for a sewing machine company. He was actually returning from Marietta, Ohio, to his home in Mineral Wells, West Virginia. And along Highway I-77, out of nowhere, this UFO comes up behind this man's car and it cuts him off. Um, Woodrow, of course, is freaking out about this incident. Uh, he slams on his brakes. Uh, he sits there as this man steps out from this spacecraft. And the man that steps out from the spacecraft is this entity that introduced itself as Indrid Cold or or at the very least said Indrid and uh, gave him his first name of Indrid. And he just had a conversation with the salesman, um, asked him where he was off to, what he did for a living. He even, he even showed interest in the town he was going to. Uh, he Woodrow mentions how you could see the, the lights from the city off in the distance. And uh, this, this spaceship being asked if that's where all the people are from. Um, asking him about, you know, these different societal type uh, musings. 
Um, and it was after that point when the spaceship being told this man that he would be in contact again, and he went back into his ship and disappeared, flew away. And uh, the salesman was so shook up about this that he ended up going to the police and he, you know, told his story and it gained all this attention. And it, it was after that that supposedly multiple visits began to occur in this man's life with this entity called Injured Cold. Uh, but it was kind of this strange story where, like, when you look into modern renditions of Injured, uh, especially after movies like The Mothman Prophecies, um, the character archetype of Injured Cold as an alien or as an entity, whatever you want to call him, um, it seems to have taken a dark turn in the public eye. It almost became more of like a horror type uh, rendition of this character where they call him the grinning man and he has this kind of ominous presence because he's some dark kind of entity. But when you look at the original reports, Indrid in Woodrow's perception was a very kind person. Um, <laughs> he was a, he was an extraterrestrial that held Christian values. Um, he was almost very angelic in ways, uh, helped out the family. But he would take uh, Woodrow on these these secret missions that he never told his family about. So there was all this kind of these strange stories that came from Woodrow about his interactions with this entity. And what's strange about the Hellier case, even though, so for clarity's sake, for your viewers who are unaware of Hellier, this case began back in 2012 when my friend Greg Newkirk received these mysterious emails um, detailing this man's issues in Kentucky, a man by the name of David Christie. He was telling people, or he was telling my friend Greg how his family was being besieged by these goblin-like creatures that he believed were coming out of an abandoned mine. And in these emails, he was telling my friend Greg that he was told to contact Greg through a mutual friend of his. And that friend was a man by the name of Terry R. Rist. Now, it was kind of a, this mysterious thing because Greg didn't know anyone by that name. Um, doesn't know why he would have been contacted in the first place as he didn't deal with anything that seemed extraterrestrial at that point. Greg was more a ghost hunter at this time. So the case kind of sat for a little bit in his interactions with this gentleman. Um, uh, kind of went cold. And it wasn't until a year after those initial interactions that my friend ended up receiving another email. And it was from Terry himself. And in this cryptic email, it makes mention of something where, it, I don't know if I'll say this verbatim, but the email went as follows. It says, the ink in the black, or no, Hellier was just a symptom. The ink in the black are still isolated third order MIA. Keep in mind, for every door closed, a window must be opened. Door is closed, the window is open, use the numbers. It's this really strange thing. Um, it's a really strange email. It, uh, it held uh, an attached photograph of a string of numbers that we initially believed were coordinate points. Now, the reason I bring this email up in conjunction to your, your question pertaining to Indrid Cold is that Carl, during the filming, this is actually captured on film, during the filming of season one, 
uh, for those familiar, Carl ends up finding in the back of this book called The Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts, which was written by Ellen Greenfield. Uh, check it out for you curious minds out there. In the back of this book with an interview with this gentleman that goes by the name of Terry Rist, he ends up mentioning how ink and black was a code word for injured cold, this entity that Woodrow supposedly met back in 66. So all of a sudden, this seemingly disconnected case um, had these elements that pointed to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and that whole UFO flap of the 1960s. So it was this weird interconnected nature already of uh, different elements that ended up leading us down a path of researching injured cold and all of those happenings in the Point Pleasant area around that time period. Interesting. Now, injured cold is said not to be from this planet. Do we know where allegedly he is from? As we got about 45 seconds before we go to Brink. Um, yes, he claimed to be from a planet called Lanulos. And interestingly enough, he claimed it was a planet much weaker than our own. And there's a, a couple different strange ways you could read into that. But he claimed to be from a place called Lanulos, which he supposedly took Woodrow to as well and showed him the planet that he was from. Incredible. Incredible. Tyler, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to continue with Hellier 2 with Tyler Strand coming up right after the break. I cannot wait for this weekend's release, people. I really can't. It's going to be just phenomenal. You know, you can Google it. It's going to be on a number of places. I found it last year for free on YouTube where they published it. You can do that, too. Take a look at it. Very well done. Very professional. And most importantly, very real. Hellier 2. Tyler Strand. Coming up more on Space Out Radio right after this. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com. Hey everybody, the SOR Space Travelers is open. For just five bucks a month, you can hang out with Dave and our crew privately in our members-only section. With your signing, you'll receive newsletters on what's going on with Spaced Out Radio. You'll have direct contact with the host during the show in our chat, live streaming videos, and a great forum for your posts and more. Become a space traveler now at spacedoutradio.com. Looking for something new to push your limits? Look Beyond the Spectrum, a new docuseries featuring some of the best researchers in the world when it comes to everything from UFOs, government cover-ups, and Bigfoot in the forest. Truth seekers like Steve Bassett, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, Richard Dolan, as well as others all chip in to bring their knowledge to you. Beyond the Spectrum can be found on Amazon as well as Tubi TV. Tell us what you think on our Amazon page. Hey, space travelers, this is John Resig, founder of the Chive and Chive Charities. 
If you know anything about our website, you'd know we like to do things a little differently. We're not some faceless organization collecting money for a nebulous cause. Our donor dollars go directly toward life-improving items. Then we give those items directly to an underdog who needs it most. To become a donor with Spaced Out Radio's official charity, Chive Charities, just go to chivecharities.org forward slash donate. We're adding to the entertainment online for Spaced Out Radio. I'm Amber Beckard, and I want to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out Cryptid Tales, where I will take you on a journey into some of the strangest legends and lore from around the world, relaying the stories to you of the strange creatures and experiences that people have had throughout time. You can find Cryptid Tales at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. And while you're there, don't forget to check out our free archives and leave a comment. See you there. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. From the heartlands of Canada to beards around the world, we know how to take care of you. Fill your follicles with the Mighty Moose Beard Oil. All our oils and balms are handmade and 100% natural ingredients because we care about your beard. And hey, use the promo code SOR2019 and get your Mighty Moose Beard Oil today. You can check us out on our website, MightyMooseBeard.com. You wanted new SOR gear, and now you can have it. The SOR Vault is fully stocked with t-shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and everything in between with great logos for you to choose from. So head on over to spacedoutradio.com, click on the SOR Vault, and go shopping. Pricing is quite affordable, and you can look good representing your favorite show. So go to our website and pick up your new SOR wear at the SOR Vault today. Every night on Spaced Out Radio, we have places for you to hang out. Hi, this is Carl. Join our SOR Space Travelers group on Facebook for live chat. On Twitter, using hashtag Spaced Out Radio, you can also join us in our Spreaker chat room. Check us out on Instagram at Dave Scott SOR. All of our archives are free on YouTube at Spaced Out Radio. By the way, I'll be watching you at your window until you do. Bye! Finish off your weekend and kick off your new week with me, Everett Themer, right here on Spaced Out Sundays. I'm going to bring you great guests, a little bit of snark, and plenty of information to think about. But don't worry, there's going to be plenty of woo as well. We are going to hit everything in the paranormal and supernatural, including the odd psychic Sundays. So tune us in on Sunday, 9.06 p.m. Pacific, 12.06 a.m. Eastern, right here at spacedoutradio.com. Move over, brother, and let me own Saturday night. This is Rich Giordano, and I'm inviting you to tune on in to Spaced Out Saturday starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, 12 a.m. Eastern, where I'm going to bust open the lids on everything paranormal. Why? Because we want answers, and I'm the guy who's going to deliver those answers to you. Join the chat rooms, and we'll see you this Saturday. Just be there. No, really. 
Heading to Vancouver and looking for a night on the town? The Moose Vancouver is the bar that never stops rocking until 2 a.m. every night. The Moose has great food with everything on the menu from $6.95 to $8.95. Fantastic, vibrant staff and rock and roll that will bring you back to when the music was real, the hair was long, and the guitars were rocking. Get your party on at the Moose Vancouver, the official party bar of Spaced Out Radio. Hello, this is your guitar man, Ron Bumblefoot Thaw, and I have to tell you, I love the response I get for Little Brother is Watching from Spaced Out Radio fans. It's amazing how music can inspire and make people think deeper about what's going on in the supernatural world. You can head over to my website, bumblefoot.com, to check out my music, my guitar workshops, my touring, even check out some of the hot sauces that I'm working on. And make sure you keep on listening, because with Spaced Out Radio, you know Little Brother is Watching. We've passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. Thank you so much for tuning us in. I want to remind all of you, our YouTube channel has all of our free archives, youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Just do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. we got a plethora of features for you there. What I want you to do is I want you to go to our SRR vault. Get yourself some Spaced Out Radio swag. It'll look good on you. Black Friday sales are underway, minus the brawls. I know. I know you look forward to it as much as I do. But just chill. They're coming on Friday. I know. I'm pumped up about it, too. You can get a new book at We Read the Night. Also, read up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Sign up for the Spaced Out Radio Space Travelers Club, five bucks a month. And while you're there, get your horns up and rock out to Bumblefoot. Always a good time. From Hell Year 2, we got Tyler Strand with us. He's joined up with Greg and Dana Newkirk, Carl Pfeiffer, and Connor Randall as they go back to the dense woods of Kentucky, Hell Year, Kentucky, looking for goblins. I got to ask you, Tyler, as we bring you back. Yeah. You see any goblins? I don't know, Dave, have I? <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I mean, let's face it. The girlfriend saw a deer. The girlfriend saw a deer. Oh, man, you're putting me back in the hot seat, Dave. <laughs> you're you're going to turn her into a monster. I'll have to deal oh, with it. You're making God. fun you of know her what? deer fighting, Dave. You know what? I can so all of a sudden see my myself on Twitter getting <laughs> jacked up saying, What's the big deal? Why? What's what's so funny about that? What's so funny? Yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it right now. I am in trouble. You're not in trouble. I'm in trouble here. Oh my god, Dave! You're killing me. You're killing me. Oh, well, Dave. I will say this. I think what we are attempting to do in Hellier and what we have done in in connection to this case, particularly in season two. I think it's far more fascinating and far more reaching than anything a goblin could deliver to the general public. And I think people are going to be shocked and they're not going to know how to process some of the information, but in the end, I think 
I think it will steer this research in a good direction. And I think more than anything, that's what excites me with what we're doing. I got to ask, when you guys went back to Hellier to film seasons two, okay, and I know that as soon as season one ended, the cameras were right back there and everybody was trying to get right back into it. Because when you got a good thing going, you can't just drop it and say, well, that was fun. You can't do that. But what was the reaction of you guys coming back from the community? <laughs> well, it's, it's, that's a really interesting question, Dave. So the community itself, um, we had to be a little more um, covert uh, than, than we initially were. And I think what people see, when people see where we've gone in season two, they'll understand why we were so covert. Um, and I think people will be surprised when they, they see how we managed to do that. Um, so there wasn't so much, I can't say there was any particular reaction that stuck out in my mind from the locals in this area, because I don't think the locals in this area knew what we were up to, but it's because we were very mindful of our position in this town and uh, how we had to tread quietly. Do you think people there did not want you there? Because let's face it, when Hellier came out, it brought a lot of attention to that community. People were asking questions. People were traveling there to see what it was all about. And, you know, the public always wants to take that extra step sometimes. There's always those extravagant people there who are going to be like, oh, let's go find the caves, let's go find some goblins. And that's how things get broken. <laughs> that's how things get torn up. But it does happen. And so I can see why you guys would probably go in quiet and cold again. Yeah, a absolutely. And, and it's unfortunate. Uh, it's just the nature of the nature of the beast. But um, I think when people start to understand um, what it is we're actually doing, uh, particularly in, in season two, I don't think I don't think it will have as much of an impact. But but I understand from the local perspective why that's that's troublesome you know that's like that in any any kind of smaller community especially if you're dealing with a community that doesn't really understand what you're doing to begin with because you have again they themselves have their own mindset of what this type of phenomenon entails so you you know i know there's people in point pleasant that hate the mothman they hate it because of what it's done to their town but it, but it's interesting because when you look at the Mothman case and when you look at what that case has done for Point Pleasant, if it wasn't for that creature, if it wasn't for the UFO sightings and all the high strangeness that occurred there in the 60s, we probably wouldn't even know about Point Pleasant. It would be there for sure, yeah. But how many of us would have ever heard that name? Probably none of us. Because it'd just be a tiny town with not much going on inside of it. But now that this incident has occurred there it's brought thousands of people from all around the globe to this one place and it's given that town life 
And that in itself is an interesting side effect of this phenomena when we talk about our interaction with it. You know, if you look at it on an economic scale of just the town and what, how it affects a small town, you know, so in a lot of ways, that creature has given new life to Point Pleasant, you know, and some people love it. Some people embrace it, you know, but there's others that hate it. They hate that their town is smeared with this symbol of this strange, big, red-eyed inhumanoid. Um, and I get it, you know, but you're you're always going to experience that backlash. Not everyone's going to understand it, you know, and it's just the nature of the beast and it's just something that we have to be mindful of. And that's why I hope that people see that, especially in season two, like, yeah, even though we have locations, even though there's things we're looking into, this phenomena is bigger than any one spot. It's bigger than any one location. So for any of your listeners out there, the exciting thing about this research and what it's showing us is that, it's probably all over the place. Like I think, I think personally Kentucky and some of these places in Kentucky we've been looking into may be more concentrated hubs for some of this phenomena, but I'm not convinced that phenomena isn't in other areas. You know, that's why I, I know we had spoke off phone earlier about just where I'm living. Um, I myself living in Pennsylvania now near Pittsburgh, I'm always looking into this phenomenon and I'm always digging into similar things, whether that be descending into the caverns here in my area or, or caves in West Virginia, you know, around those, those places. Um, I think that phenomena spreads. I think it, I think it's spreading now. You know, I think this, this stuff is in more than one location. Um, but that just becomes apparent the more that you dig into these things. I don't, I don't think there's any one spot that, um, that this is just taking residence in. I just think that we've been given some leads and just to do our proper effort, uh, look into those leads, you know, and that's what brings us to these locations. So if there's anyone that's planning on trespassing or, um, or going to these towns for the sake of trying to find these things, just know that it's, likely bigger than just these towns. So you don't have to go there. Um, you know, even if it may be a hub, you know, I think, I think if you were to dig into it deep enough, you could probably find something very strange, even in your own location. And that's exciting. It's exciting to like have people just start looking, you know, so don't get caught up in the details. You know, I think that we struggle with that too. I think, I think it's a, largely encompassing phenomena and it's not just in any one place on this planet um we're just looking in the one pinpoint on the map so to speak this area of hellier where you know this is a small town this is a hard working town where there's a lot of unemployment there's a lot of retirees there's a lot of people who grew up there and they're just wanting to live their own lives and when and I hate to use this term, but when you guys kind of go in there and invade what is going on and bringing this peaceful town into this this phenomena, do you how and and I know you guys uh, a few of you guys like I don't know uh, Connor or or 
Carl personally, but talking to him on the phone, they seem like very genuine people, much like you do. And I, like I said, I met Greg and Dana. They seem very genuine as well, especially Dana with the Canadian connection there, because we always got to sneak one in there somewhere. And <laughs> the, the point that the point that I'm getting at is this: I mean, you guys aren't out there invading, trying to hurt people's feelings or or embarrass a community. You're, you're there for the phenomenon, yes, but you're also there to to maybe help. And I think that's a big difference between what you guys are doing with Hellier and what a lot of people are doing in the paranormal field today. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree with that. I, I think, um, particularly in season two, I think more than ever, if you wanted to look at the perspective of going to a place to help, um, it seems this season has those elements. Um, but yeah, we're, we're not, we're not just trying to invade a location, just interject ideas that we're making up. But, you know, I, I think, I think that's where one of the, I think a lot of the pushback that has been received from local people in some of these small rural communities is that they hear this strange story and they hear these strangers coming into town looking for whatever that they have no context for. You know, when we talk about paranormal phenomena, we're talking about something that's very, very rare and it's very well hidden. So when you have strangers coming into your town saying, oh, this is happening here, and you have someone who grew up there their whole life never hearing about a single thing, they're gonna, they're, there's going to be backlash from be like, well, these people are liars. I've lived here my whole life. This isn't happening to me. But it's not, it's not something that they would be aware of, you know, and that's just one of the issues of being an investigator of this type of phenomena. So for your listeners out there, imagine, I don't know how many listeners you have right now who are from small towns. Imagine how strange it would be if you had a group of people roll up to your town and you hear this wild story about how there's some monster that lives inside of the earth that people have experienced, even though you lived there your whole life and you've never heard of it, you're going to, you're going to be skeptical and that's going to raise some red flags in your mind. So like, I, I understand, I understand uh, people's trepidation um, when it comes to our involvement in looking into these things. But I think when people see in context, how we're actually going about that sort of thing and how non-intrusive we are, that we're coming from a good place and that we're not, um, we're not just making a big deal out of something that, that doesn't exist. You know, it's, it's coming from a positive place of curiosity. And I, I hope that's what it invokes in local mindsets more than anything, you know, go out there and look, you know, be curious. Uh I think that's a solid answer. I, I, I really do. And I'm, uh, I commend you for that answer because, you know, it, it, when you said that, uh, I live in a small community myself. There's only 1,800 people in my community where I broadcast from the boonies. And, wow. you know, I, I look at the idea of, of people around here who know there's Sasquatch around here. But it's not a talked about topic. People, There's people who have had amazing encounters, and there are people here who have lived here 40, 50 years who think it's all a bunch of baloney and don't believe it when the loggers come into town and say, something happened. Something happened out there. And 
you're right. I mean, people, you know, they want that privacy. They want that that secluded. They love the idea of living in seclusion away from from uh, the big cities and and the drama that seems to follow those. So I can see where you're going with that. And I appreciate that answer. I want to ask you this, as you know, we only got about six and a half, seven minutes left before we got to go to break at the top of the hour. You know, granted, the movie comes out. And Hellier 2 comes out this coming weekend. And, you know, it's probably the hardest on you guys trying to stay extremely quiet and, and shut up and, and let things happen while you're all pumped up trying to make it happen. Give us a little tease. What are people going to see in Hellier 2? Oh, man. Well, to give a little tease, Dave, not to make matters even more complicated. Well, we're already talking about something that not only deals with UFOs, deals with monsters, deals with psychic phenomena. We're now going to bring in more than ever elements of what you may consider magic and all that implies. <laughs> why, why take it to such a different extreme? I don't necessarily think it is a different extreme, Dave. I think that I think it's an element that has been integrated as much as anything else. It's just again the stigma of the words that we use. I um I think when we assess um the phenomena at large and trying to do new things, which is something uh it's another point that we're trying to make with this documentary there's this really rigid outline that people have been conditioned to believe when it comes to paranormal investigation. And that is, you need this set of equipment, you need this and this and this, you need this type of camera or you need this EMF meter. And if you don't have those things, you're not a paranormal investigator. And I think that's a very slippery slope to wall something so complex and so strange into such a small box. And people have been conditioned that way for the past 15 years. So it's not that we're, <laughs> it's not that we're doing something new rather than it is we're scaling things back and doing something old and doing something that has always connected people to this phenomenon. And I think that's the better way to think about it. Um, it's so, showing people so, that we don't have so, to fit ourselves into a box of technology. Like, let's try something right. new, but try something old, something that's always worked for people. When you talk about communicating with something other, that's how it's always been done. And I think uh, it's just a technique that we've wanted to incorporate and try for an effect of research. So basically, you're challenging the stigma of what people think the paranormal is today and going back to the old school ways of where you combined the technology with the intuition that seems to always hover around this type of phenomena. Yeah, absolutely. Could you ask for a better alchemical balance? Well, for a lot of people, they'll that, say, for a lot of people, they'll say that, uh, you know, this is where, 
you know, how do we buy this? This isn't scientific. There, there's, there's way too much woo involved. I think when they see everything in context, their, their ideas will shift. And I think that's, um, I think one of the goals, the lofty goals of season two, um, I think when everything is considered and everything is shown, um, it should be undeniable. And I think that is the beauty of season two is that there is so much that is undeniable and you can't take that away. And that's, what's going to shake people to their core when they see the way these things are connected. And when they see the effects of these things that are connected, they'll have no other choice, but to accept that, this is a phenomena that is far stranger than what they've been told thus far. And I will say this, Dave, for all of your listeners out there, I don't take this lightly when I say this. There is something very bizarre that happened to me when I was a child. The strangest supernatural thing I've ever seen. And I don't talk about it. Um, my close friends know about it, but I don't talk about it. I'm not going to get into it here on this program either. That thing that happened to me when I was a child is what gave me some of my stranger ideas, which eventually led to me where I'm at now in the way I view this phenomena. I am of the mindset now that the thing I was witness to when I was a kid is a direct response to what we did at the end of season two. And I never thought I'd have context for it. But when you look at time even being something that may be nonlinear, it is my belief now that something echoed backward because of what we do in season two. That is the implication of how strange this phenomenon can be. I think that's a great way to put it. Great way to put it. And, you know, we have you for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. And I know that you have been, even before Hellier and currently now, probably due to the intrigue, are wondering if there is a connection between Hellier, Kentucky, and where you are in western Pennsylvania now. And you're trying to put some puzzle pieces together there. I want to find out a little bit about that, Tyler, when we come back. Also, Shanna Banana on Twitter says, in support of at T underscore stranded's girlfriend, it is seriously trippy to see a deer in L.A., especially surreal in Hollywood, and it's a rare sight. Okay, we'll let her off the hook this time. When I see about 12 deer going into town in the morning, I will let her off the hook. Not a problem. Oh, goodness, I read my clock wrong. We got like almost a minute, almost a minute. Look at that. Look at that. I'm just having way too much fun tonight. I'm not paying attention properly. Really am not. I do have to say this, though. As as a part of Hellier 2, and I'll quickly get you to answer this, Tyler. What did you learn about yourself? Can you say that again? What did you learn about yourself after Hellier 2? God, so much. I think more than anything, I've become self-aware of my growth on a, what you could consider a spiritual level. I know that sounds funny and cliche, but I think now more than ever, I have re-enchanted my own view of the planet. 
and my space within it. And I think more than anything, I value that above all else. The reality is the growth doesn't stop when the cameras stop rolling. It continues. And I, I think I think one of the most important aspects of the phenomena is growth. I think that's why we have these things. All right, Tyler, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. Big shout out to Emerald listening in tonight as she prepares for Thanksgiving. Hi, Emerald. Remember, old Davey likes a lot of garlic around the table at Thanksgiving time. More Space Out Radio after this. For the price of one cup of coffee a month, you can become an SOR space traveler. The Space Travelers Club is a place where you can interact with other listeners, either live during the show or on our great forum. We want your stories, pictures, comments, and ideas. You'll get live video streams, exclusive content, and be a part of our newsletter. Stay in touch with everything SOR. The Space Travelers Club is just 5 bucks a month at spacedoutradio.com. Hey, Space Travelers, this is John Resig, founder of the Chive and Chive Charities. If you know anything about our website, you'd know we like to do things a little differently. We're not some faceless organization collecting money for a nebulous cause. Our donor dollars go directly toward life-improving items. Then we give those items directly to an underdog who needs it most. To become a donor with Spaced Out Radio's official charity, Chive Charities, just go to chivecharities.org forward slash donate. Move over, brother, and let me own Saturday night. This is Rich Giordano, and I'm inviting you to tune on in to Spaced Out Saturday starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, 12 a.m. Eastern, where I'm going to bust open the lids on everything paranormal. Why? Because we want answers, and I'm the guy who's going to deliver those answers to you. Join the chat rooms, and we'll see you this Saturday. Just be there. No, really. We're adding to the entertainment online for Spaced Out Radio. I'm Amber Beckard, and I want to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out Cryptid Tales, where I will take you on a journey into some of the strangest legends and lore from around the world, relaying the stories to you of the strange creatures and experiences that people have had throughout time. You can find Cryptid Tales at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. And while you're there, don't forget to check out our free archives and leave a comment. See you there. Hello, this is your guitar man, Ron Bumblefoot Thaw, and I have to tell you, I love the response I get for Little Brother is Watching from Spaced Out Radio fans. It's amazing how music can inspire and make people think deeper about what's going on in the supernatural world. You can head over to my website, bumblefoot.com, to check out my music, my guitar workshops, my touring, even check out some of the hot sauces that I'm working on. And make sure you keep on listening, because with Spaced Out Radio, you know Little Brother is Watching. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com. A timepiece is a reflection of who you are. And what better way to show off the real you than with an Escape watch? Escape is a lifestyle brand accessorizing your days and nights. 
Choose to escape and create the life of discovery that you deserve. Dream, play, unite with your own personalized escape watch. Head to escapewatches.com. There is no time like the present to enjoy your escape. Use promo code SMF2017 for your 20% discount today. At spacedoutradio.com, we have a little bit of everything for you to stay up late. So while you're there, check out our SRR Newswire, where our team brings you stories of the weird and strange to the WTF from around the globe. News on Bigfoot, UFOs, paranormal, Darwinian-type crime tales. It's the stories that the mainstream media usually won't touch. Well, we got them all on the SOR Newswire, only at spacedoutradio.com. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Every night on Space Out Radio, we have places for you to hang out. Hi, this is Carl. Join our SOR Space Travelers group on Facebook for live chat. On Twitter, using hashtag Spaced Out Radio, you can also join us in our Spreaker chat room. Check us out on Instagram at Dave Scott SOR. All of our archives are free on YouTube at Spaced Out Radio. By the way, I'll be watching you at your window until you do. Bye! We all know on Spaced Out Radio we love a good beard and mustache, so why not take care of your facial hair with Mighty Moose Beard Oil? Made in Canada, we're taking care of beards and stashes around the world. We use 100% natural ingredients with our oils and balms to make your whiskers feel silky smooth. Use promo code SOR2019 at MightyMooseBeard.com today. A little bit of science, a little bit of skepticism. Add a dash of snark and you have the makings of Spaced Out Sundays with me, Everett Thiele. Together we will look into the reality of the paranormal with an open eye and rational thought. Oh, did I mention there'll be plenty of woo as well? Your time spent with Spaced Out Sundays will make the night even better. The chat rooms are open, 9.06 p.m. Pacific, 12.06 a.m. Eastern, right here at spacedoutradio.com. The SOR Vault is open for business, and do we have some cool swag for you to pick up. All you have to do is head over to our website and click on the SOR Vault. You have a variety of cool logos to choose from, and put them on anything you want. T-shirts, hoodies, hats, coffee mugs, you name it, we can get it to you. So do your shopping by supporting the store you love. Get your Spaced Out Radio swag at the SOR Vault today.
Heading to Vancouver and looking for a night on the town? The Moose Vancouver is the bar that never stops rocking until 2 a.m. every night. The Moose has great food with everything on the menu from $6.95 to $8.95. Fantastic, vibrant staff and rock and roll that will bring you back to when the music was real, the hair was long, and the guitars were rocking. Get your party on at the Moose Vancouver, the official party bar of Spaced Out Radio. you like to connect with us head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info now back to dave scott and sor welcome back to the third and final hour of spaced out radio tonight i am your host dave scott appreciate each and every one of you tuning us in hi to everyone listening in in new orleans on uprn 107.7 fm kdun am 1030 in reedsport oregon kzfx 93.7 fm in ridgecrest california in dangerfield texas am 1560 kdnf and we're on in on WQEE 99.1 FM. On the digital side, hi to everyone listening in on Kingdom of Nye Radio and Revolution Radio. Great to have you with us. Remember, all of our archives are free at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Inductivism. Inductivism is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We got a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, do a little shopping at the SOR vault, especially because it's Black Friday. And of course, you can pick up a great paranormal book at We Read the Night. Join the Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month, and Captain Shirk has you up to date on the SOR Newswire. For the final time tonight, we introduce Tyler Strand. He is joined up with Greg and Dana Newkirk, Carl Pfeiffer, Connor Randall for Hell Year 2, which breaks loose this weekend, and I am pumped right up about it. I hope you are as well. I'm a big fan of this show. Highly suggest you check it out. The best part about it, people, is it's free. Tyler, welcome back. Happy to be back, Dave. Even though it's 2 a.m., I am full of copious amounts of caffeine that are probably going to cause my heart to explode. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. That's what we want to hear. Hey, my friend, before we move on, you you got to let everybody know where they can watch Hellier this weekend. All right, guys. So this weekend, for all you listeners out there, be sure to check this out on Amazon Prime on November 29th, Black Friday. So if you're one of those people in particular that don't want to go out in the crazy rush of the chaos that is Black Friday, hunker down, check the clocks, and go check it out on Amazon Prime. That's where we first launch Hellier. On December 13th, we will be launching it on YouTube. So it will all be accessible to the general public. But for those of you who can't wait, and do want to watch it through Prime. If you've not had Prime, I just want everyone to know who's listening, you can sign up for a 30-day free trial through Prime if you wanted to get Prime to watch Hellier. So don't let that stop you. Check it out. Um, Yeah, everywhere Black Friday. We have, what, two days, one day to go. Ink and Black Friday, as we've been calling it, to reference injured cold. So I'm excited for everyone to take part in this i think it's going to be a a huge moment for everyone everyone who watches it i think it's uh 
I think it's very important. And I'm, I'm excited to see what people do with the information that we give to the public because it's more than just this weird case. It's more than just us going through this case. Um, one of the things we give the public, which I want all of your viewers to know, is that we are giving people tools. We're giving people tools to actually track this phenomena down by revealing the patterns that we have been noticing in this phenomena. So you asked me earlier if there's any kind of teaser. That's a big one. And I think that one is the most exciting to me. I want to see what people do with the tools we are giving them this season, because I think it's something that's not been discussed in the wider paranormal community. I think when you dig into these topics deeply, you'll find these strange nuggets here and there where someone's like, oh, this seems to happen around these types of places, or I've noticed this occur in multiple reports, but you only really find them if you're heavily involved in the research end of things, and you don't really hear people talk about these patterns this season, we really delve into those patterns and we reveal those patterns. And I think those more than anything are vitally important to the future of where people take paranormal investigation. And we give that to the public. And that's another reason why it's so important for us as indie filmmakers to give that to the public for free on top of all of our hard work. Like this is a service for all. And I hope that in the I hope in the scheme of things, the grand scheme of thing, things, um, that's how it's perceived. I think it's excellent, and like I said, I'm very excited to get things going on my end. I got a date with my couch on Sunday. While most people will be watching <laughs> football, I will be getting right down with Hellier all day, all night long. I figure I got about 10, 11 hours that I got to put in, and I'm willing to put in that shift, and I'm looking forward to it. But the big thing is for you personally regarding this, you tend to think that Hellier just isn't in Hellier, or the goblins, or, or the action that is happening there. You think it kind of spreads right through the United States on the East Coast there, including where you are in western Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh. Why do you think that is? So I, I, don't, I don't mean to take away from the investigation in Kentucky. I know when we spoke earlier, I um, off. Off record, um, I was mentioning how I utilize my skills and train, so to speak, by going into cave systems here, here in Pennsylvania. And to expand on what you just asked, at the end of the day, just to quote our mystery man, Terry R. Rist, Hellier is just a symptom. And what that implies is that Hellier is a symptom of something larger. And I think when people see season two, that will become more apparent than ever that it really is just a symptom and that there are bigger things to tackle. And I think that holds true for a lot of different locations in the U.S. When we, we talk about the phenomena at large, you know, this stuff is occurring all around the globe. And the reason why earlier when we were speaking on the phone, um, I had mentioned Pennsylvania is because this area I live is particularly strange. I live on the western border. I'm about 20 minutes away from, from Pittsburgh. And when you look at this, uh, this area of Pennsylvania where I live, um, you'll find that it's actually a hot spot for anomalous sightings. Uh, we have a high number of UFOs. Um, this area was actually ranked 
I believe number three as the the state or the location in the state where you can witness Bigfoot sightings. Um, 30 minutes from where I live is where the Kecksburg UFO crash occurred. So for you, you listeners that may not be aware back in 1965 in another small rural community, there was an object that crashed in a field. Uh, it was witnessed by multiple people. The, U.S. military was on scene right away, and a lot of people had seen this giant metal acorn-shaped object with hieroglyphics on it get hauled out. That entire area on the Chestnut Ridge is full of anomalous sightings, whether that be Bigfoot, whether that be Thunderbirds, whether it be little people or UFOs or balls of light. We have all of that here, and all of those things, of course, are the same themes connected to Hellier because it's the same phenomena. So if you were to ask me how I personally connect them and just spend my time, when you look at this area of the U.S. in general and how this ties in the Hellier, Pennsylvania lies on all kinds of cave systems. I literally work at a cave in my off time. Um, the whole The whole eastern end of the U.S. The, the whole Appalachian range contains cave systems. Um, those are the Apple, the Appalachian mountains are for the most part made of limestone, which I'm not sure if how many of your viewers may know this, but the cave systems that we are tackling in Hellier, the cave systems I'm tackling here in Pennsylvania are ancient and they, they've been here for millions of years. I mean, the stone that we are climbing through when we talk about cave systems are literally older than the dinosaurs. We're walking through what was once the very bottom of the ocean floor. The reason we have the Appalachian mountains is because these giant land masses during the splitting of Pangea collided into the side of North America. Those collisions called orogenies are what created these mountain ranges. And from there, it took millions of years for those cave systems to actually form in your road. So we're already talking about something that has been sitting here and something that is ancient. So when I look at things from a more physical perspective, when I kind of take a step back from the metaphysics, because I think you need to marry the two in one to really find the answers, I spend my time quenching my thirsts by delving into these cave systems around where I live because I don't necessarily believe it's all just centric to Kentucky. You know, I think that we have the same phenomena here in Pennsylvania. When you look at the mass amounts of reports, if there is some sort of connection to cave systems, in fact, there is a sort of mythology that's not spoken about too much in, con in connection to the Hellier case, which is um, whether you want to believe in these stories or not, um, that is the Shaver mystery. And I only bring this up because, um, the Shaver mystery is a writing that pops up in the research conducted when we were looking into Terry Rist. Um, in these interviews in the back of the book, Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts, um, Rist actually makes some direct mentions to uh, terminology that stems from this, this writing that details these strange cavern accounts of these creatures that live deep inside the earth and how they are responsible for causing phenomena that were witnessed to on the surface. Richard Shaver, the man who wrote these stories, he actually lived in Pennsylvania for a time. And uh, he even details accounts of things occurring deep beneath 
the earth in that area of Pennsylvania. So it's just something that's just this kind of strange interconnected um, thread that like I alone just kind of personally pursue because it's just something to occupy my time while I wait for the bigger phenomena to reveal itself and wait for that call to action, so to speak with the others. So it's not that it's not that I'm taking away from um, things occurring in Kentucky. Again, I, I think there's something very strange happening in Kentucky, in, in Kentucky. I just believe that it may not be contained in that one area. I mean, when you delve into reports all along the Appalachian range, whether that be point pleasant, whether that be Dover, Massachusetts with uh, details like the Dover demon, that strange case, which we've shown connections to the goblins, which it seems to be a very, very similar case. You know, it seems that whole Eastern edge that follows the Appalachian range has the same phenomena. So I'm not, I'm not convinced that it doesn't extend you know, past Kentucky. I, I think that all of these things are connected in some way. But with that being said, if it does happen to be something in connection to the cave systems, what's really interesting about that is that the caves do end. Um, I know there's a little bit of a misconception when we've talked about the Mammoth Cave System, even on camera, where we, we've stated that the Mammoth Cave System runs all the way through to the eastern edge of the U.S. That's actually not true. Um, the rock outcroppings that support cavern construction actually end at a certain point. So like they're, they should be disconnected. So these caves don't connect all to one another, unless if you wanted to make it even stranger, you open yourself up to the idea that perhaps they are connected by something artificial that lies even deeper than the caves that connect them all together. So it's just something that I look into and something I use to occupy my time to kind of quench my thirst for adventure while I'm waiting for the next, the next monster to pop its head up in Kentucky, so to speak. So when you are investigating around Pittsburgh, I mean, obviously it's known as uh, Steel City, Steel Town, okay, it has some of the most beautiful bridge construction I have ever seen in my life. I've been there a number of times. <laughs> and... and and some great, great Permani sandwiches as well. And I do have to give credit there. By the way, I I, I did win uh, the Hot Wings Challenge at Quaker Steak and Lube, by the way, at two different locations. I'm actually I'm surprised you know about Permani sandwiches. They're oh, I great. was introduced to them. I was introduced. I don't think I was on. I was in town 24 hours before my buddies told me that I had no choice. So I nailed one. I, I nailed it down. I, I scarfed it down. Honestly, it was it was fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. But the the highlight of this is is that when you're in an area that is very blue collar, like Western Pennsylvania, where there's a lot of mining, there's a lot of steel manufacturers, brick manufacturing. Way back in the day, a lot of these places are now abandoned. A lot of these tunnels, a lot of these mines have been closed for decades. And without ever seeing another human being, you know, that leads to a lot of strangeness. Back then, there was a lot of death. It was about getting the product out, not about, you know, human safety. Where does that lead on the paranormal scale in that Western Pennsylvania area? Well, it's fascinating because you, you hit the nail on the head. Because of the history of this area of Pennsylvania, it does have a lot of... Um, 
it does have a lot of human tragedy when you look into that type of uh, incident. Um, it, it actually calls to my attention a location I was at not too long ago called Dead Man's Hollow, which is the ruins of an old terracotta pipe factory that's off the the um, Great Allegheny Trail. It's off in the forest, and that location alone is supposed to be a haunted a haunted location due to the fact that there were people that were crushed. Um, by ancient elevator shafts, these old elevator shafts that they had in the factory. So that's something you have to keep in mind uh, when experiencing something strange in a mine setting or a cave setting is that, say, if we leave room for another facet of paranormal phenomena of just human spirits, if we are to accept that those may be a thing, um, you do have to keep that in mind or dig into the research uh, to see if any of those types of tragedies occurred. Uh, Pennsylvania actually does hold um, some of the most gruesome mining accidents on the planet. Uh, the Dar mine disaster, which is not far from where I live, jumps immediately to mine where I think over 200 men were cooked up alive due to an underground explosion. Um, there's a lot of tragedy like that. And, and you're right. There are a lot of mines and tunnels that are left abandoned and I've been inside of them. And, uh, it's all about gaining that experience. I've experienced very strange things by going into mines. Um, there was, there's one in particular in Connellsville that I was inside of that. Um, I was there with, uh, two other men that I know and we've experienced the balls of light. They they heard far off in the distance what they perceived as women screaming. Um, the smell of burning meat was something they experienced. We all collectively heard what sounded like a giant snake hiss at us from only five feet away, but there was nothing there. We turned around. We all heard this thing hiss. It sounded like something that was the size of a man, and yet there was nothing there, um, which is strange because the caves here in Pennsylvania are at most 50 degrees, it's actually too cold for snakes. Uh, snakes being warm-blooded animals, they or cold-blooded animals, they won't uh, they won't enter caves. It's too cold for them. So, uh, very strange stuff. There's a lot of strange areas, and I think the history of Pennsylvania, where I'm at in particular, it just it has a lot of that overlap. Whether you want to say that overlap is at the hands of man and the tragedies that they've experienced, or at the hands of something stranger that's occupying the geology of the area. I think there's a lot to be explored where I'm at. And, and I know that we earlier were on the topic of exploring new places, you know, when I'm not going in the mines and caves or looking in the known haunted locations, I'm, I'm often versed in urban exploration, which is funny because I don't, think there's a, a whole lot of paranormal investigators that take the time to just explore abandoned locations because they they just preoccupy themselves with what is known what is known to be haunted but when you think about haunted locations even if they're popular now how is it that they got to that point how is it that we know they're haunted we know they're haunted because people were inside of them and they had experiences and then the word of mouth ends up spreading and that's how a place becomes what it does in the paranormal community so I like taking it upon myself to explore anything that I can, whether it be a, an abandoned building, what have you, because the more I immerse myself in those environments, the more I can gain more experience and the more I can pick up on something. If there is something in a location, it kind of, 
in my mind, I think it develops a subconscious knack for developing the skills to sense when you're in a strange place and when you're not. And I think that's important. I think it's important to immerse yourself in as much as you can. And that's what I, I try to do here in Pennsylvania since there seems to be a plethora of opportunity here. We're getting people begging for you to stick around the next half hour. I'm going to leave that up to you because I know it's too, close to 2.30 in the morning, man, <laughs> where you are. We could discuss that during the break. But but for you, you got to feel pretty privileged to be a part of this and, and going forward as well because this entire hell year experience combined with what you're doing in Western Pennsylvania has to be a real eye-opener for somebody young as yourself in getting more into the paranormal field to, on a more serious level rather than just being a weekend warrior. It is. And um, I'm actually getting goosebumps thinking about it. I think about it quite often. I'm, um, I'm someone who's always kind of lost in thought at those topics. And I'm for anyone listening, and if there's anyone from the Hellier team listening to this, I hope that they are aware that I'm so thankful to know them. Because I think in my own personal development, I, I can't express the gratitude I have for knowing the people that I know. And I think the real magic, when we take this research upon ourselves, it's not about the monsters. It'll never be about the monsters for me. I think the relationships we build with one another and the butterfly effect of the hurricanes we cause with every step forward that's the magic that is happening with what we do. And I think about the relationships I've built and even the people I know now. I mean, there's people I've developed relationships with even recently that may drastically change my entire life forever. And I would have never met them had it not been for pursuits of this kind. I, I hope if people are listening to this program if there's just something I can speak of personally on my own end is don't get lost in the realm of monsters. Try to pay attention to everything that stems around it. I got you. Think about the places you would walk if it wasn't for the research and what that's doing to you as a person. That is the work and that's what I seek. I think Tyler, that we got we got to escape right now, man, because we got to go to break here. I'm going to convince you to stick around. More Space Out Radio right after this. Hello, this is Yoga Tall Man Ron Bumblefoot Thaw, and I have to tell you, I love the response I get for Little Brother is Watching from Spaced Out Radio fans. It's amazing how music can inspire and make people think deeper about what's going on in the supernatural world. You can head over to my website, bumblefoot.com, to check out my music, my guitar workshops, my touring, even check out some of the hot sauces that I'm working on. And make sure you keep on listening, because with Spaced Out Radio, you know Little Brother is Watching. 
So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Hey, Spaced Out Radio fans, it's John Rezig, founder of the Chive and Chive Charities. Our goal is to make the life of veterans, first responders, and those with rare medical conditions 10% happier. We do this by donating one grant item, ranging from dance to therapy programs to prosthetic limbs, to those who need it most. To contribute to Spaced Out Radio's official charity, head over to chivecharities.org and become a donor today. At SpacedOutRadio.com, we have a little bit of everything for you to stay up late. So while you're there, check out our SOR Newswire, where our team brings you stories of the weird and strange to the WTF from around the globe. News on Bigfoot, UFOs, paranormal, Darwinian-type crime tales. It's the stories that the mainstream media usually won't touch. Well, we got them all on the SOR Newswire, only at SpacedOutRadio.com. Heading to Vancouver and looking for a night on the town? The Moose Vancouver is the bar that never stops rocking until 2 a.m. every night. The Moose has great food with everything on the menu from $6.95 to $8.95. Fantastic, vibrant staff and rock and roll that will bring you back to when the music was real, the hair was long, and the guitars were rocking. Get your party on at the Moose Vancouver, the official party bar of Spaced Out Radio. Every night on Space Out Radio, we have places for you to hang out. Hi, this is Carl. Join our SOR Space Travelers group on Facebook for live chat. On Twitter, using hashtag Spaced Out Radio, you can also join us in our Spreaker chat room. Check us out on Instagram at Dave Scott SOR. All of our archives are free on YouTube at Spaced Out Radio. By the way, I'll be watching you at your window until you do. Bye! Hey everybody, the SOR Space Travelers is open. For just 5 bucks a month, you can hang out with Dave and our crew privately in our members-only section. With your signing, you'll receive newsletters on what's going on with Spaced Out Radio. You'll have direct contact with the host during the show in our chat, live streaming videos, and a great forum for your posts and more. Become a space traveler now at spacedoutradio.com. Move over, brother! And let me own Saturday night. This is Rich Giordano, and I'm inviting you to tune on in to Spaced Out Saturday starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, 12 a.m. Eastern, where I'm going to bust open the lids on everything paranormal. Why? Because we want answers, and I'm the guy who's going to deliver those answers to you. Join the chat rooms, and we'll see you this Saturday. Just be there. No, really. We're adding to the entertainment online for Spaced Out Radio. I'm Amber Beckard, and I want to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out Cryptid Tales, where I will take you on a journey into some of the strangest legends and lore from around the world, relaying the stories to you of the strange creatures and experiences that people have had throughout time. You can find Cryptid Tales at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. And while you're there, don't forget to check out our free archives and leave a comment. See you there. 
You wanted new SOR gear and now you can have it. The SOR Vault is fully stocked with t-shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and everything in between with great logos for you to choose from. So head on over to spacedoutradio.com, click on the SOR Vault, and go shopping. Pricing is quite affordable and you can look good representing your favorite show. So go to our website and pick up your new SOR wear at the SOR Vault today. We all know on Spaced Out Radio we love a good beard and mustache, so why not take care of your facial hair with Mighty Moose Beard Oil? Made in Canada, we're taking care of beards and stashes around the world. We use 100% natural ingredients with our oils and balms to make your whiskers feel silky smooth. Use promo code SOR2019 at MightyMooseBeard.com today. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. A little bit of science, a little bit of skepticism. Add a dash of snark and you have the makings of Spaced Out Sundays with me, Everett Thiele. Together we will look into the reality of the paranormal with an open eye and rational thought. Oh, did I mention there'll be plenty of woo as well? Your time spent with Spaced Out Sundays will make the night even better. The chat rooms are open, 9.06 p.m. Pacific, 12.06 a.m. Eastern, right here at spacedoutradio.com. third we're heading for home tonight on spaced out radio i am your host dave scott sitting in the captain's chair of sor headquarters great to have you with us reminder if you've missed most of this show or others you can check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do me the favor hit that subscribe button our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you including rocking out on bumblefoot you can read up on captain shirk's sor newswire stop in and shop at the sor vault unfortunately it's online so you'll miss all the brawls you can buy a new book of the paranormal, strange and weird, at We Read the Night. And, of course, join the Space Travelers Club for just 5 bucks a month. Now, normally at this time we do the news. However, the Twitter crowd, wanting Tyler to stick around at hashtag Spaced Out Radio, I asked Tyler during the break, I'm like, dude, this doesn't happen often. we got to do this. And he's like, what the hell? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to keep talking hellier and paranormal here with Tyler Strand. Welcome back, bud. I'm <laughs> glad to be back. Yeah, you didn't. Uh, Dave didn't need to twist my arm at all. If you guys are happy enough to have me on, I'm more than happy to stick around. I'm uh, I'm nocturnal, so it doesn't matter how late it is. If you guys are enjoying it, I want to keep going. Uh, we'll talk anything, even if even if anyone has questions. I'm I'm an open book. I'm an open book. Hey, you talked about a. You touched on this a couple of times earlier on in hour two, and we really didn't delve into it. But the entire UFO aspect 
of Hellier 2 that seems to come out. And Greg and Dana kind of started it in Season 1. But in Season 2, with, with more admissions about and weird strangeness surrounding Indrid Cold and whatever these goblin-like creatures are, how much do UFOs play a role in Hellier 2? So that's the interesting thing about this research, right, is that it's always... So when we talk about the interconnected nature, every place that we have been going to, every place that we have been looking into, we almost use UFO sightings as a primer to see if that area has activity to begin with. It's really strange. So like, and it doesn't matter what kind of activity it is, you know, like I'm at the point now where when I'm in a location, even if it be Pennsylvania, whether it be someplace in Kentucky, doesn't matter. Um, when you look into some of these areas, whether there be Bigfoot sightings, whether they be UFO sightings, whether they be whatever, spirit manifestations, poltergeist activity, a lot of these places seem to have all of the phenomena because I think all the phenomena is one, uh, at least to some degree. It seems to be stemming from the same place. So we, in season two, I mean, we, we certainly touch base on sightings. Uh, that occur in some of these locations. And, um, you know, we, we talk about those sightings. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think UFOs, when we talk about this research, are an aspect, of course. Uh, you know, whether or not those are actually aliens, you know, I don't, I can't tell you that. But I think, I think UFOs are just as much a part of the phenomena as anything else. So we, we look at all of it. We look at all of it and that's ever present. Um, I just don't believe that even the UFOs are what we believe them to be. I think these are all manifestations of the same type of phenomena. And I think the UFOs themselves can be just as spirit like as anything else. You know, uh, we can, we can go for hours um, talking about the theories of what they are, but we, we do look into, we do look into those sightings um, and we pull up sightings of that nature, you know, while looking at this phenomena, because we're one, where one leads, the rest tend to follow. Um, it's just something that we look into. So with that, do you find that when you are looking for certain creatures, in this case, the goblins that people say are haunting the caves of Hellier, did you notice any type of unidentified aerial phenomena start to pick up while you guys were there? <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring that up because I think just recently without getting too much into it, just recently there seems to have been some activity, a strange aerial activity that's kicked up in uh, the locations we've been investigating um, shortly after we had left. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, we were always mindful and we always use those sightings. Um, we will we'll have searches that we'll do. We'll keep looking at an area before and after we go to a location and we, we have noticed in the past and even now in the present that sometimes things will kick up after we've been in an area, which is interesting in and of itself, you know, whether or not we are an aspect of that kicking up is a fascinating thing to think about. Like is our intention of going to a space kicking something up because of the simple act of doing, uh, I think that tends to happen. Um, and I think we're going to keep seeing evidence of that the more we go along with this research. 
I always find it phenomenal when things pick up. So you guys do have people then tipping you off in Hellier when things pick up after you leave or when you haven't been there for a few months. You have to well, in order to get that information to stay in tune. Well, here's the thing. It's even more, I think it's even more interesting than that. It's not that we have people that are in the know that are contacting us and giving us the updates. It's that we silently research from afar and try to dig up what local people are talking about through online avenues. Um, we, we have a lot of different methods of, of keeping track of those things. And it's, it's when there aren't people um, that we know telling us things that I think are fascinating. Um, the case that just uh, occurred not too long ago um, within the last week was not from someone in the know that we're in contact with. It was just something that popped up. Um, and we took notice of it. It's like, well, look at this thing that's happening. You know, like we, we just keep an eye, a watchful eye and we use the, modern tools at our disposal, such as searches or hashtags, things like that. If you want to talk about Twitter, like we, we use everything at our disposal to kind of keep an eye on, um, on these locations. And I think it's interesting when you can see from afar local people who are not in the know describing the same things we're researching, because that's even more validation for what we're looking into. Uh, we did a lot of that leading up in, in season two. Uh, a lot of the research that uh, we conducted before filming uh, when it came to some of these areas was actually digging through local forums that were just written by small town local people, you know, gossiping about things in their hometown. And then every so often by digging through page after page after page, you you hear the weird sightings that people are having. like, Hey, did you guys see this UFO that was floating above this person's house? Or like, yeah, I seen that too. And then you'll find a whole thread about people talking about stuff Meanwhile, they have no idea about anything we're doing. They have no idea what we're doing. And, and it's stuff like that that furthers my drive to go to these places. And it's, it's validation. It's validation. Like, we don't need to tell people, hey, this is going on here. So that means now there's going to be stuff going on there because people are looking for it. Like, people are already experiencing it, whether we are a factor in their lives or not. You know, and we're seeing it from that bird's eye view. And I, I think that's amazing to me, you know, to see that there are people who don't know anything about paranormal phenomena describe the same things we're looking into. In fact, I'll give you, I'll give you a really juicy uh, account that didn't make it into, into the season. <laughs> when we talk about context and uh, interconnected stories and creature sightings, there is a woman in this small town that, you know, that we're tromping around in that actually described these creatures as vampires. Because she didn't have the context of, of a goblin or, a, or an alien. Uh, she talked about how her and her husband witnessed this small, pale-skinned creature that was about three or four feet high with chiseled features inside of their house. And she watched as her husband grabbed his pistol and shot this thing in the back of the head and nothing even happened to it. Wow. And the reason she called it a vampire is because she noticed that in her neighborhood, there had been cats that had gone missing drained of blood. So she just connected the two together and said, well, I think this thing was a vampire. <laughs> so not to uh, overcomplicate matters, but when we, you know, when we talk about what we're dealing with and the folklore surrounding it, 
if you look at the perceptions of local people encountering something strange, you have to look at it through their lens. And I think that's another aspect that we touch base on in Hellier and why it's so confusing for people in these towns is like this woman, she's having a creature encounter, but like this is a normal person who probably has nothing to do with the paranormal. They're not thinking, oh, I seen a creature must be connected to UFOs. No. Well, why would you jump to that conclusion? They don't have context for that kind of thing. So she's making it work in her worldview of what she has seen, which is very little. And the description of what she's seen matches the base level of anyone's kind of folkloric view of a monster. So what small pale skinned creature that I think is draining cats of blood must be a vampire. <laughs> so now, so now I guess you could say that. Not, so in a way, I guess I'm a vampire hunter too, if you want to look at it through different lens, but it's, it's whatever. All these things are just a thing, you know, and it, it's hard to have a grasp on what we should call them because we don't have that unified force. We don't have good terminology. And I think you have a lot of people encountering similar things or things that are like the goblins, but they don't know those terms. I mean, goblins, just one, one word for something that has many names and these things will continue to have many names. I mean, if you look at the Dover demon in Dover, Massachusetts, that incident sounds a lot like a goblin, you know, but again, it's just a, it's just a surface level term. Um, and that's actually what's made research into this particular type of creature hard to find, because when you talk about things like Bigfoot, or an extraterrestrial, you only really have good, clear definitions of what those things are. If someone sees a giant, hairy ape standing on two legs in the woods, you know, Bigfoot, they might write an article about it, or they might tell a friend about it. And that's a solid term. You don't see any solid terms for something like a goblin, because there, there's no context for it. So like, Instead, what you end up finding is terms like, oh, this weird thing happened in Massachusetts, and it was coined the Dover Demon. But how many of those incidents occurred in other towns? Maybe they called it uh, a gnome, or, or, or maybe it was something that looked like Gollum. You know, that's something we've been hearing when it comes to reports is, oh, this thing, this thing crawled out of this well on my property that looked like Gollum. You know, because Gollum is the only thing they have context for. So that's the term it's given. So it's hard. You can't just look up. You can't try to find things that look like the goblins. You can't just find reports by doing a Google search because there's no term to look it up. How do you find something that has no name? Uh, so that's another frustrating thing, but it makes it even more fascinating when people do have stories because it's not something that's so widely spread around in the public view, like a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot or whatever you call it. It's something a little more rare, but not necessarily something different. Again, I think these are all cut from the same cloth, um, but that's just something that we've been noticing. It just depends on who's looking. Absolutely. It always comes down to that. In Hellier Season 1, we saw Connor really get into the Estes method, which was a phenomenal piece of research, I thought, where he's blindfolded, he's wearing soundproof headphones outside of what is being played on the spirit box, and he's literally answering questions before they're even finished or asked by Greg, Dana, and Carl. How did that work for you guys in Season 2? 
<laughs> oh, Dave, uh, strap in because we got a whole boatload of strange experiments uh, coming at people, and that's something they can look forward to in season two. We have a lot of a lot of groundbreaking stuff that's not been done before. Um, without giving away too much, what I can say about the experiments of a similar nature that we have conducted, they had shocking results, um, and I think. I think it's going to really creep the hell out of people when they see what we've been able to do with those experiments. Um, they're very, very striking. And I think if, if season one had that effect, season two is going to blow people's minds. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Cause I have like zero luck with the SB seven ghost box. I have zero luck. It's well, terrible. You, you know what's me. funny? What's funny about that is I'm, it, it's weird. So like I've done the Estes method um, and it's really odd because w- whether it be because I've not trained as much as Connor, uh, it, it's strange. Like there's a lot of times where I won't get great hits, but every so often there'll just be this one day where everything just fires off and I plug into it perfectly. So like I'm hit or miss with it. And I think, um, and I think people need to be prepared for that as well when they're doing their own experiments for all of you people listening out there. Like, don't get discouraged because something doesn't work the best the one time you've done it. Sometimes it takes multiple tries, you know, like that's with anything with the phenomena, whether it be a haunted location, not being active or, or what have you, like it's not, it doesn't always work. Um, and I can only speak for myself. Sometimes when I, I do the Estes method, I'm not the best recipient for it. Um, I've had, I've had sessions where I, I'm just not a good conduit, but then I've had other ones where I'm great. Um, but it's, it's very hit or miss with me. Um, mostly misses, but every once once in a while it'll be strong. And I think that's something to keep in mind for your viewers out there too. Like don't get discouraged because some stuff doesn't work strongly you know the one time you did it, it takes practice takes time uh, everything you know who knows what factors we don't know about that bleed into the effectiveness of when we're doing an experiment i think that's something to keep in mind is the unknowns of the inner working we've only got about oh i'm gonna say four or five minutes left with you tonight and this episode, we don't really do a lot of three-hour episodes, but this has flown on by, man. This has flown on by. <laughs> and I, I'm blown away by it uh, because I'm just so enthralled with this conversation. I know a number of our listeners are, too. I'm watching the posts on social media, and I really appreciate them digging on in and, and having a lot of fun with us as well. How fun was this to do and can fans expect a season three? It was amazing. It was it was life changing. I mean, this case continues to be life changing because it's more. Again, it's more than just a case. It's how I view reality, and I hope that's what this does for other people. If this is bigger than just a case. This is bigger than just Kentucky and it's bigger than goblins. We're giving you tools to assess your reality in a different way. And I hope that's what resonates with people. Now, when it comes to a season three, I don't think we're in control of that. (laughs) I think at this point in time, 
the phenomena will do as it wishes. It, it does what it needs to do. And I think with season two, again, we give people the tools to actively hunt this phenomena down, to look for the patterns that we know. And I think we're at a point now where with those tools, if there is going to be a season three, it's taking what we've learned and utilizing it on the road and applying it to finding the phenomena. That's what I would take away from season two. And if I were to make a prediction, if there will be a season three, that's what we can do now. But season three is anyone's guess, you know, I know you don't have the phenomenon on the phone, but it's probably listening. And I think we just have to wait and buckle up and see where it takes us. Oh, that just sent chills right down my spine, man. Sent chills right down my spine when you said that. Because like I said, (laughs) when when Carl mentioned Indrid Cold last year when we had him on the show, all of a sudden, weird stuff started happening around here. So... You know, we're too close to the end all of a sudden to have weird stuff start happening, man. Way too close. <laughs> True. You're gonna be left with your thoughts now. <laughs> Do me a favor. We got about we got about another two minutes here, my friend. Do me a favor. Okay. Let everybody once again know where they can watch Hellier. All right, guys. So for both season one of Hellier as well as season two of Hellier, which is gonna be released in literally a day or so on Black Friday. You can check that out on Amazon Prime. Um, that's where it airs. If you don't have Amazon Prime at the moment, by all means, sign up for the free 30-day trial. That will give you access to it um, on the launch date. After it releases on Prime, you'll be able to find it all over the Internet on December 13th when we release it onto YouTube. Um, but I would highly recommend checking it out on Prime so you you miss all the spoilers and uh, can see it firsthand along with the rest of us. Um, like I said, just try and find a way. Go to a friend's, whatever you need to do, check it out. Um, that's where you can find it. But again, we, we want people to know the information, and that's why it's out there, available for the public. Well, I want to say thank you to you, Tyler, for coming on in, filling in. You did Admiral admirable pardon me for filling in for john tenney tonight who had to bail out not on purpose uh, just because of some family (laughs) stuff he had to take care of but john's a class act and hopefully we could get him on before the new year as well i hope you had a good necktie on for tonight thank you so much tyler strand for coming on spaced out radio you hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap this thing up my friend you just sit there all right We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, in your cars, at work, in our chat rooms on LGAB, Revolution Radio, Facebook, Spreaker, the SOR Space Travelers Club on our website, which you should join, and Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio, wherever you may be. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thanks for going the distance with us. We enjoyed it all the way because together, my friends... 
We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Have a great night, everybody. Johnny Enoch is in the house tomorrow. We're talking the occult all night long. Have a great night. See you tomorrow. Honda for all your automotive needs. Shop and save on over 1,300 of your favorite new Hondas during the Happy Honda Days sales event. Like a new 2019 Honda Accord LX front-wheel drive sedan. Lease for $249 a month. 36 months, 12,000 miles per year, and zero security deposit. Visit us at 11151 US 49 in Gulfport. Online at patpackhonda.com. Stock number KA161533, automatic 2099, due at signing, plus tax tag and title fee to qualified buyer's CPO for details, ends 1220. So you're finally ready to get a new tractor, but you're not sure where to start. You want the best equipment, affordably priced, easy to use, and of course, you'd love a great warranty for peace of mind. To get it all, think SunSouth, where you'll find quality John Deere equipment, affordably priced and ready to tackle the tough jobs faster and more efficiently. With AutoConnect capabilities, six-year powertrain warranty, easy-to-use implements, comfort seating, and more, John Deere equipment is the perfect choice. And right now at SunSouth, the John Deere 3025 e-tractor starts at only $139 a month, plus get 0% financing available on select models. So think SunSouth and John Deere. Quality equipment, affordably priced, and ready to tackle your outdoor projects. From the yard to the fields and everything in between, think SunSouth. Visit your neighbors at SunSouth or shop online at sunsouth.com and see how affordable owning a new John Deere tractor can be. Some restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Offer ends November 30th, 2019.